Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. On a Monday afternoon inside the Electric Factory, it's Euler and Motes. And Motesy, they couldn't contain us. We're going for three hours all week, noon to three, Monday to Friday, on the week before the week before. We are just jam-packed this week, Motsy. You gotta love it, man. They couldn't take us out. You know this. We got too much Steeler content, too much good stuff to talk about. Mm. For them to just keep us off the air. For them to just minimize us to two hours. A lot of good stuff to talk about and also some annoying stuff to talk about. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so, but I actually love to say I told you so. (laughs) How about that sky cam last night, Motsi? Oh, man, listen. I don't know how you felt about that sky cam, but my eyes were hurting. It gave me a little headache. I just, I don't like that super zoomed out. I felt like I was in the nosebleed section. I don't want to sit in the nosebleed section. I want to sit in the nice ticket section. I don't know what nice it's like seats. to sit in the nosebleed section. Part, you know, I mean, oh, I'm you're so big time. Sideline passes, Golly. Mr. Big Time. Yeah, you kidding Look me? That's you. the just, only place geez. I sit is the nosebleed section. Man, but dude. And then how it was just, it wasn't a constant, oh, it's just going to stay at this angle. It would zoom in, zoom out, pan here, pan there. I'm like, yo, this is too much. I wasn't a fan at all. I didn't call it a sky cam. You know what I called it? What did you call it? A Y cam. Ah, I like that a lot. See what I did there? I like that. Why? I told everybody it's going to drive you crazy, and I think it drove everybody crazy. But we still watched, Motsi, because, you know, again, it, it doesn't matter if it's on a black and white TV, if the Steelers are playing, we're watching. And last night, we saw, maybe not the angle we all wanted to but we <laughs> saw the debut of the Steelers first team offense uh, particularly in this post number 84 era yes indeed. in this completely rid of two of the three formerly the artists formerly known as the killer bees uh. we saw the uh, the first look at the Steelers first team offense last night and a uh, little good Little, little bad, but hey, that's everyone staying healthy. It seems like relatively, and uh, and and you'll take that as a start. Absolutely, health was the major key. Even though, like I said, Ben last week talked about he wanted to get hit a little bit. Everybody in the state of Pittsburgh, excuse me, the state of Pennsylvania, you know, it's the, the state si- of Pittsburgh. We well, right in the state because Philly doesn't count. Bump the Steeler them. Nation, Steeler Nation everywhere. All right, but the fact that he was saying he wanted to get hit, nobody wanted to see that. So. I think he did a great job in terms of executing the offense, making sure he was quick and efficient with his throws. But if you notice with the play calling, they weren't having him drop back five, seven steps. Everything quick was drops. quick hitters. Even when they took the shot to, to Juju, it was in the high red zone, so it didn't need to be a very uh, elongated um, developing route or anything like that. So right. I think they did an awesome job in that regard. And the O-line, I mean, they looked awesome, as they always do. So you got to tip your cat to them too. Yeah, I was interested – to see, I want to get your opinion on this. After Ben came out, which was the third series, correct? Yes, he played at 19 plays. Yep. And the two point conversion. You yeah. saw Pouncey come out with him. Mm-hmm. You saw DeCastro come out with him, but everybody else stay in place. Yes. Uh, were you surprised by that? Um, I personally wasn't, especially when it comes to Pouncey. Obviously, he's had some injuries in his career. Sure. So they definitely try to take care of him, even though knowing Pouncey personally, he never wants to come off the field preseason, training camp practice, 
OTA practice. He wants all the reps. But they are being smart in that regard because they know that he's in for a grueling season. And he's one of the most dominant centers in this league. And then when you talk about DeCastro, he hasn't dealt with the injuries. But you know what you have in DeCastro. And, and there's really no need to have him out there longer than he needs to be because he falls into that category of being top three at his position, arguably number one at his position. Yep. So when you have that type of stuff, similar with Pouncey, you don't really need those guys out there. You know they are way more valuable during the season than they are in the preseason. Now, I completely agree with you on that, but let me play a little devil's advocate Let's for you Let's do it, here. baby. Uh, you, said, like, you, you know what you have in DeCastro and uh-huh. Pouncey, and I completely agree. You've got arguably the best center guard tandem in the National Football League mm-hmm. right there. But don't you also know what you have in the Big Ragu? Don't you also know what you have in Al Villanueva? Like, I, I get if those guys want mm-hmm. reps, like, that's yeah. fine. I just wonder... Well, this is not that thing. there's any favoritism well, going no, on but there. This but this is the thing: has the big ragu dealt with injuries like how Pouncey has? It's true. Has Aldo injuries like how Pouncey has? Have either one of them played as much football or at the level of Pouncey in DeCastro? So when you factor in all of those things, coaches say it all the time: I'm gonna treat you all equal. I'm not gonna treat you all fairly. You know, <laughs> I do or, love or that's one of my favorite yeah. Tomlinisms. <laughs> and that's the thing: it's like. Okay, yeah, man, everybody every, – or no, excuse me, I treat everybody fair, not everybody equal. I said it backwards. So it's like, yeah. I know what you meant, baby. Yeah, you know, I, I absolutely understand that you played a lot. I understand that, you know, Al, we know what we got in you. I know in Ramon, we know what we got in you. But you guys aren't Pouncey. You're not DeCastro. You're not Big Ben. So in that regard, we're going to need you to get out there and get more reps. But at the same time, none of those guys are going to be in uniform come Thursday night. So it really doesn't right. hurt them in that regard. You know the famous book, 1984? 1984. No, I do not. Okay, it's a famous book. Can't be too basically, famous. <laughs> <laughs> about like an, 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 it involves animals, right? But uh-huh. it's it's this book about like an authoritative society, essentially. Okay. And it's about all these animals on the farm, right? Like it's like a socialist farm, and they paint mm. up on the side of the barn of the farm. All animals are created equal. Mm. And then after you know, like a few months later, they wake up in the morning, and there's a new sign up on the barn, and it says all animals are created equal. Dot, dot, dot. But some animals are more equal than others. <laughs> is that, that kind of what you're alluded to Absolutely, there with, with man. the Coach Tomlinisms? <laughs> Absolutely. That's how it is, man. And you understand it and you respect it. But anybody who's played in sports on any level, high school, collegiately, you all experience that. It's plenty of times that if you were the star player in high school, your treatment was a lot different than the guy who was just a really good player. Right. Like, that's just how it is in life. Oh, without a doubt. That, you nailed it right there. Well, yeah. and even at work, think about this. You got access to the building because you're a star player. Oh, come on. I have to wait for you to come into the building because I'm just a good player. See? <laughs> it's different. There's levels to this thing, man. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And it's like, um, you know, Mark Madden or, uh, you know, the Mikey and Big Bob right. in the mornings on Kiss or the, the DVE morning show with Bill and Randy and Val. They could go on air and they could uh, drop a four-letter word or, or say something they shouldn't say, right. and there's at least going to be a conversation, right? <laughs> and they're probably not going to get fired. They might get suspended. They might get pulled right. off air for a couple of days. If you and I come on here and we start talking about you don't, know something, don't, something don't you wish ag- that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? Something we, <laughs> we start talking about something egregious. You and I are going to be kicked out of the building like before three o'clock even rolls around. <laughs> I mean, you're right. That's the way it works in life, and. I mean, you know, some of us get to be on TV, you oh, know, and another one of us don't. Here, here you go. Here you go. The only reason I was on TV was because of you. Did you see that tweet we got from Francis? He said, I, he tweeted, Arthur Motes, loved seeing you on TV tonight, breaking down the game. Looks like Wes Euler isn't the only big shot. <laughs> see what you've done here? You see what you've done here? Listen, man, 
they were just being nice and kind to me. They wanted to make me feel better because I don't have access and I have to, I, I think I still pay for parking to come in here. <laughs> I have to pay the doorman to, to park my car. $30 just to come in here and work yeah, with you, man. It's that's crazy. A, that's a setup that I, you know, I, I have an intern go down there every day and oh. act like the, act like the meter maid and tell him, take take money from Arthur Motes, all right? And, and we'll, it's cash we'll only. Redis- we'll redistribute it for pizza <laughs> later on in the month. I like it. Uh, sticking with the offense here, I know uh, we're going to debut a new segment today, Motesy. Absolutely. Professor Motes Mondays. Yes, indeed. That's going to come at you here in this hour, in the first hour. We'll do that in the next half an hour or so here. Uh, I know one of the guys you want to talk about is James Washington, so I don't want to go too much specifically into him, but I will say maybe the only thing that I didn't see last night was was a link up between number 13 and number seven between Ben and James. Yes. That's still maybe the only thing that I'm left desiring, but you know, hopefully we'll get that, uh, up in, uh, up in, um, Foxborough next. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, yesterday you saw they had Dante Moncrief out there initially going in as the second wide receiver. And they did a couple of things personnel wise, offensively and defensively that kind of got my antennas up a little bit in terms of just whether they were trying to see certain people with certain groups or if that was an indication of what the potential lineup might look like come the start of the season. Hmm. So James Washington, like I said, he was not out there as the second wide receiver as Dante Moncrief. And I think Dante had a very uh, good performance in terms of a bounce back because remember last week versus the Chiefs, he has this first catch as a stealer, he fumbles the ball, and then from there he didn't really get another opportunity. Whereas uh, yesterday – I thought he showed really good hands. Uh, he was making sure he was getting into soft spots of the zones and stuff like that. And I think that's what you want to see for right now with him. Obviously, I want to see him go to start taking the top off because that's what he definitely possesses. But for last night with the routes they were calling, the timing of the plays, I thought he did really well. Yeah, I. I this is one that people around the team, you know, people who were there every day at training camp and at practice and the Missy Matthews and the Bob Labriolas and Tunch and Wolf and, you know, like our own Dale Lolly and Mike Pursuta and all those guys that are, that are there all the time. They've been saying for weeks now, what you see from James Washington is impressive. What you see from James Washington is encouraging, but it's Dante Moncrief who's the number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something people have been saying for yeah. weeks, and I think last night it kind of showed that was kind of a good concrete evidence of that. Absolutely, and I think it goes to Moncrief's body of work in terms of him being in the league for a numerous amount of years now. I want to say five or six years, mm-hmm. but he's had success. He has pedigree, and you know what to expect from him in terms of his on-field productivity. Whereas with James right now, this is his second go around. We saw him have a very productive preseason last year, but the regular season didn't turn out that way. So in terms of that, especially early on, I think that the Steelers are kind of being cautious in in terms of putting all their eggs in that basket because if you bet the house on him and he ends up not having a productive season like last year, well, now you run into that thing of, is he just a preseason darling? Is he just an August superstar? A training camp phenom. Absolutely. Whereas with Dante... You've seen him have success in the NFL. You've seen him make plays in legit games. So you kind of, like I said, in that regard, you know what you're getting with him. Yeah, no, it's a great call by you. Uh, particularly, you look at his numbers when he played with, hey, Andrew Luck. Whoa. Uh, the artist formerly known as the Andrew. The artist formerly known as Andrew Luck. Yeah, seriously. Uh, it's it's almost like a completely different player, it looks like, if you look at his time with the Colts compared to his time with uh, – 
with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But you can't blame him, man. It was Jacksonville. Come on. No, yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you look at the his kind of 2016, the the season that he had with a healthy Andrew Luck. He only played nine games that season and still had seven touchdowns. Absolutely. Uh, put up 13 touchdowns in two consecutive seasons and over 1,000 yards with Andrew Luck, and those were two of his first three seasons in the league. Uh, I think it's exciting to see. You know, James Washington, rightfully so, has grabbed a lot of the – wide receiver attention and the wide yes. receiver headlines. And that's a good thing. You want to see that. Uh, but I think Dante Moncrief's going to surprise a lot of people starting week one up in Foxborough, you know, when the lights are on, when the real thing matters. I think maybe Steeler Nation's sleeping on him a little bit, but he's he's going to be a contributor. He's going to be uh, an integral part of that offense. Yeah, I definitely agree, man. It, it won't surprise me at all just because, like I said, we've seen him, what he's done with a good quarterback for a small sample size. Now you're going to put him with a Hall of Fame quarterback and essentially have him go out there and not have to be the number one receiver either. He He's not going to be getting all the, the attention that Juju's going to get, so it's definitely going to be set up for him to have success. 412-919-1316. We've also got some tweets at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. We will get to those as we roll along. Michael tweets us here and says, how about that front seven of the defense last mm-hmm. night, though? Yeah, how about them? We will talk about the defense when we return. Could they be leading oh. the way again for the Steelers? Hey. Could this be a hearken to the days of yore? A dawn of a new era. For the first time in five, six years that we see the Steelers <laughs> led by the defense hey. once again? It we'll is d- the still curtain for a reason. We'll discuss it all when we return. Euler Remotes, <laughs> the Electric Factory. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. You know, we do a lot of pop culture references around here, Motesy. That's the only way to do it, baby. You know that. And I think the people love it. We've got a lot of photoshops in that regard where people pick up on a lot of the jokes that we're talking about. You know, we we knock knock on wood if you're a fan of the show. Absolutely. You know, and people are always out there keeping, up, keeping us honest. A lot of times when you're, uh, you know, you got so many moving parts and so many, you know, just thoughts in your noggin, uh, you can get things confused. And that's why I love our listeners. They're always keeping us honest. Brendan chimes in here and tells me that it was Animal Farm that I was referencing, not 1984. Ah, see, now Animal Farm sounds like a book that I would probably know. 1984 doesn't sound so famous and, uh, you know. 1984 is pretty famous. Such a famous book. Animal Farm, an allegorical novel by George Orwell, first Ah. published in 1945, tells the story of a group of farm animals who rebel against their human farmer, Mm. hoping to create a society where the animals can be equal, free, and happy. And then, as I told you, not to spoil anything, but... Eventually, some of the animals become more equal than others. Ah, okay, okay. Well, I appreciate that, man. That sounds very, uh, you know, that's what happens with the Steelers' offensive line. They're all created equal, but some are more yeah. equal than others. We uh, said we're going to talk a little bit about the defense here. Of course, we got some tweets. I said Michael tweeting in that front seven of the defense last night, too, with some fire emojis. Uh, and even Mike Vrabel, the Tennessee Titans head coach, oh, Mozzie, I, I loved his comment. <laughs> noticed, noticed just how much the Steelers' front seven and that defense were feasting because he took Marcus Mariota out earlier than he had planned. He elected to pull his quarterback from the game for safety concerns. 
That's unreal. He said, we wanted to make sure that we can protect our quarterback. That's important. It's imperative that we do that as a staff and we do that as an offensive group. I wanted to see how the game was going. And at that point in time, I thought it was in the team's best interest (laughs) and in everybody's best interest that we get him out of the game at that point. Well, and the thing that makes that decision so eye-popping to me as well is because him and Ryan Tannehill Tannehill have been in a little bit of a QB battle down there. The people in the Tennessee market have talked about how Tannehill Tannehill has has really looked good and outshined him in some regard. But – it's hard to evaluate a quarterback when you can't when you're not being protected. And I will say this, I understand why they did this, but I think it really showed a flaw in their offense yesterday by them not having Taylor Lewan out there to start. Now he officially was suspended for four games, but that doesn't start until the regular season. And they put him in in the second quarter. Right. But almost that, as a second string. Right, as yeah. a second string. But you saw with that first O line. They were the the pocket was just being collapsed play after play. I mean, you saw Tuit early get the safety, then Tuit and Bud go out there and put a ton of pressure to get another sack. I mean, it was just it, the the amount of pressure that was being applied. It showed that they really have some fundamental flaws up front, and they need to do something if they want to at least have one of those quarterbacks make it out throughout the rest of the season. Because that performance last night with that offensive line, whew. do you that decision by Mike Vrabel? Mm-hmm. To, okay, listen, first team offense, you're going to have to go with it for the first, what, 25% of the season right. without Taylor Lewan, arguably one of the best left tackles in the National Football League. Absolutely. Do you like that decision by Vrabel to say, hey, this is what it's going to be when the real thing starts? Get out there and we got to see, you know, kind of trial by fire. Mm-hmm. Or do you think that it might have been smarter to have Luan in there with the first team and give Mariota more of a... I mean, it's kind of a you're damned if you do, damned if you don't type thing, but do you like that line of thinking from the coach to kind of, we got to see how this is going to be when the real thing starts? Well, the preseason is about the evaluation. So from a a player's perspective, you want to see the best players out there. From an evaluation for Bud Dupree, I would like to see him versus Taylor. But the flip side, if you're the Titans, what good does that do you if... I play Taylor Lewan this week, and then next week, who am I putting out there? I'm not going to have the starters out there right. for that that short week. And then before you know it, I'm opening up the season, and I don't know who my left tackle is. I don't know if he can hold up versus speed rush. I don't know if he can hold up versus power rush. Do I need to start using a tight end over there and treating the left tackle as if he was the right tackle and sending a ton of help his right. way, similar right. to what happened with Al Villanueva when he first came in when Kelvin Beecham got hurt? They treated him as if he was a right tackle. The protection was sliding to him. Mm-hmm. He had backs chipping, tight ends lined over there. Is that the approach that they're going to have to use? More Prob- than likely, probably. yeah. <laughs> At least more than week five. Absolutely, and that's just how it is. I do think it might have been a little different if Derrick Henry was playing because then you could at least have a solid running game to kind of counter that pass rush and keep them off balance a little bit. But with Derrick Henry sitting out yesterday, that really just <laughs> – it set him up bad, man. That division all of a sudden is just like a, a total crapshoot. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But you've got Andrew Luck retiring. Now you've got Taylor Lewan out for the first part of the season. You've got Lamar Miller hurt for the Texans. Like, what's going on in that division? That's something we have to talk about. But Setting up for Nick Foles. <laughs> Stop it. I thought I was the Eagles lover. You should have seen last week, Matt and Dale did a whole show where like three times they said, oh, Wes, the Eagles fan, Wes, the Eagles fan. And I got like two tweets from people that were like, are you really an Eagles fan? No. Yes, he's a, he has would an you, Eagles tattoo. You stop it. Next to a Mountaineer man. I only have one tattoo and it's my wife's name on my finger. Oh, you're such a lover. <laughs> 
But what I wanted to ask you with this defense and with that front seven and, hey, even some of the playmaking we saw from the secondary, and we got to talk a little Cam Kelly here at some point. Absolutely. Could this all be leading to, Motsi, um, with some of the departures on offense, some of the what we think is more so um, a balanced scheme-driven offense now as opposed to just a supremely talented offense. Right. Could we see a return to the days of Debo and Palomalu and James Ferrier and not let them want to compare, put on a pedestal, put pressure on any of the Steelers to become what those guys were? But could we see a return to where it feels like the last four, five, six years, the Steelers have been a team that, right, they go as their offense goes. Could we be seeing a shift in that to where the the old style, the style that won the Steelers six Super Bowls, where the defense is leading the way once again? Absolutely. I think they definitely have that type of potential. I could see them having a top five offense and a top five defense realistically. When you go down that roster, in particular on the defense, where are your holes at? You have, like I said, in the interior, Javon Depth. Hargrave. You have, uh, what, Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt. You still got Tyson Alu-Alu on the outside. You got TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, who's been looking very impressive this training camp, this off, uh, this preseason. Out there on the edges, Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson. You still have Artie Burns, who's been looking impressive as well. Mm-hmm. Then you take it to the back end, Terrell Edmonds. You have Sean Davis. Cam Kelly has been really lighting it up. Where's your holes at? Interior at the inside linebacker spot. You got the combination of Devin Bush, Mark Barron, and arguably the best inside linebacker pass rusher in Vince Williams. So I don't see where the hole is defensively. Offensively, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback, James Conner, who's coming off a Pro Bowl season. Arguably he looked the, good last night, too. Absolutely. Arguably the best O line in the league. Juju Smith Schuster, Pro Bowl season uh, a year ago, thousand yard receiver. And then you got Dante Moncrief or James Washington right now who's been lighting it up. And then at the tight end position, Vance McDonald. So I think across the board on both sides, they have the pieces. Yeah, you and I have talked. It's it's a good place to be in that most of your concerns with the roster are depth-related. Yeah, that's right? it. Right? Like, you would maybe like to see, and hey, Cam Kelly's alleviating some of those <laughs> some of those concerns. You'd maybe like to see... Another body in the fray at the safety position. Yeah, I agree. Uh, You might like to see, while we've been encouraged by Ola when he's been out there, he's banged up right now. Uh, Chick banged up as well. We like what we've seen from Tuzar, obviously. We'll talk about all those guys as we go along here. You might want to see one of those guys clearly emerge as a, a substantial, a legitimate number three outside linebacker. And you might, you know, you'd feel a little bit more comfortable if maybe the Steelers had uh, another Jesse James type in the fray at tight end. Correct. But relatively, if those are your concerns, oh, your depth at safety, your depth at edge, and your depth at tight end. You're sitting in a beautiful place. I mean, (laughs) 27, 28 teams in the National Football League would sign up for those concerns. No question, man. And I think that's just a... uh, a product of Kevin Colbert and that scouting department. I think they have done a great job acquiring talent through free agency, through the draft, undrafted guys, even the AAF. They found ways to acquire talent and get them in here. And I think that now, man, you're just seeing the, that the fruits of that labor pay off now. And going forward, man, when you think about this season, all of these guys are going to have opportunity. 
when we talk about the depth players, I mean, hopefully the quarterback depth, we don't need to see them. Yes. But, but besides but them, besides them <laughs> you're still all these other guys we've been naming, they're going to have it's opportunities. Football. It's football. That's how it happens. Even if you just have a guy who, who needs a series well, off in the course of a game. Absolutely. A so you're going to get an opportunity. There. Yeah. No, it's a great call by you. And I wonder, we've talked a bit about how this is historically, particularly over the last four years or so, an active time of the year for Kevin Colbert and company. Oh, without a doubt. So let me flip this kind of the opposite way for you. We just talked about uh, a lot of the things that we're comfortable in and the depth and options at a lot of positions. If the Steelers were to make a move in the trade market this week, next week, what position group do you think is the most stocked, that cupboard is the most full, that you could go in and say, yeah, we don't mind trading one of our assets here, to get a little bit stronger, maybe it's safety or tight end or outside linebacker. Is it the <laughs> offensive line? I think it would have to be right I'm, now. I mean, the is old, this – Let me Especially t- the tackles. Let me ask you this, okay? And, and maybe Kellen could chime in on this too. Is this a hot take? Because I said this yesterday to, to, uh, to one of our producers, Tom. The Steelers have at least, I think, seven offensive linemen that are better than any singular one offensive lineman the Cleveland Browns have. I think the Steelers have at least seven, you could argue maybe eight, starting caliber offensive linemen. Do you trade one of those guys? Do you hold on to all those guys? You're going to have to end up cutting one of those guys? I don't know. Is, is that a hot take? Am I overrating so, some of these so guys for too me, much? For me, I personally think that is a hot take, and here's why. When we talk about the Cleveland offensive line, who's their starting right tackle right now? Chris Hubbard. Mm-hmm. Where was he at? Pittsburgh. Exactly. So, essentially, you take a person who looks great with this unit, when you put them on a unit that doesn't mm. operate the same way, now you now there's some flaws out there. Now they start to get exposed. So that's the only thing I'm concerned about in terms of trading some of these assets away. If you can get a team that would do it, great. But it's hard to say that you could just take – it's not like we're saying take Pouncey. It doesn't matter oh, where sure. you put Pouncey. He is going to start. He's going to be the guy. Sure. But like some of the rotational guys, some of the backup guys – how does a Matt Filer look on a roster, on an O-line that isn't? On the Oakland Raiders. Right. And that's what I'm saying, where you don't have David DeCastro right next to you. Hmm. That's a great point. And, and that's the only thing when it comes, and especially at the O-line position, it's different than like a wide receiver or a running back. You're where, such a unit. Right, right. At those other positions, you can just be the guy by yourself. On the offensive line, you have to work together. You're only as good as your weakest link. So even with Chris Hubbard, you saw the success he had here, but now in Cleveland on a poor offensive line, it's not the same. He looks lost. Right. It's not the same yeah. out there. You think that's a hot take too, Kellen? Uh, I don't know if it's a hot take. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, though. Like Motsi said, you look at Chris Hubbard, a guy that you know played here, but now obviously it's a different system. Mm-hmm. But um, to the point about the trades, if you find a team that wants to do it, I don't really think they're looking – at will this guy fit our system? It's okay. This guy's pretty good. He's better can, than what right. we got. Can we bring him in? And we have make, a need. Exactly. That <laughs> that would be the only thing. I mean, you know, you have like you said, seven offensive linemen that could probably start in the NFL. If you can get something for one of them rather than just cutting bait with one, I mean, why not? And maybe that's a good. That's a great point by Kellen too. I think a lot of times we overrate what we can, what what our players here in Pittsburgh can fetch in return. Right. Like. One of these offensive, like a guy like Chooks or a guy like B.J. Finney that we have a ton of faith in, he might only get you a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick. And that's like at best. But if he were to start right now, if somebody went down, you would be completely comfortable with more valuable than, yeah. Absolutely. And that's kind of the situation with it. It's like, do you really want to send off one of these guys 
And now that creates an issue for you potentially down the line if one of your guys get hurt because now you don't have that same confidence in those guys coming in versus when you had uh, a Chris Hubbard coming in, when Matt Filer was coming right. in, when B.J. Calvin Finney Beecham. comes in. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, 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 I think that weighs into it too. Maybe I'm getting a little too prisoner of the moment with the whole fan perspective where like a lot of people think, oh, why don't we just trade Eli Rogers or Ryan Switzer? One of those two, <laughs> trade them. What are you going to get? A six-round right. six pick? What's more valuable, having one of those guys on the roster right. or a six-round pick? Like, people are – it was already starting last night. Trade Josh Dobbs. Nah. What are you going to get for Dobbs? He was a fifth-round pick. You're not going to get was, any, He was a fourth-round pick. You're not going to get any better right. – fourth-round pick. That's yeah. right. That's right. You're not going to get any better than, than a fifth or a sixth-rounder Absolutely. maybe. I, it just – yeah, I think sometimes we do potentially overrate what the return's going to be. Right. Uh, well, and obviously the Mason Rudolph conversation has started up as well. It has. Man, could you get two first-rounders for him? Could you get one first-rounder? Uh, I want to talk with you a little bit yeah. about that when we get into some Andrew Luck discussion here in the next hour. But first, Uh-oh. we got our debut of a new segment. Hey. Professor Motes Mondays, wow. where the keen eye of Arthur Motes is going to tell you what you should have seen uh-huh. last night. Some of the most important things, some of um some of the plays or some of the individuals that yes, help uh. decide the outcome of the game. So we will go into the classroom with Professor Mutz. He's got his master's. Hey, I do got my master's. You know, we'll go into the classroom with you Professor You're going to learn Mutz today. When we return. You are going to learn today. Here on ESPN Pittsburgh and your 24-7 home of the Black and Gold Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Class is in session. You know, it's the end of August, Motesy. Hey. And our uh, our days of, you know, school are over. For you. At least, I don't, I don't want to speak for you. You could always hey. go get your PhD or Stop something. rather. man. I'm never trying to step foot in a classroom again. Except ne- never for maybe, say never, man. Except for maybe Professor Motes' classroom. Hey, listen, never say never. Quick story. I told myself I would never, ever, ever, ever go back to school after I got my bachelor's degree. A couple years later, I got my master's. So yeah. never say never. See, bro. I think you're much more motivated than me, though. I'm just a ra- I'm just a lazy radio guy. Oh, and- stop that. <laughs> but I'll tell you this: what I am motivated about is the Professor Motes segment debuting now. Uh, quick funny aside for you before we get into your your game notes here. Yes, your, sir. Your, um, your lecture here, maybe, yes. if we will. You're going to learn today. Uh, everybody pull out your notebooks and get ready to take some notes. Put your reading glasses on. Um, a guy who was kind of like a mentor for me in this business was Ken Rice, mm, okay. the, the TV anchor Absolutely. for KDKA. Uh, when I started in college, I thought I wanted to do TV. You know this. My first job out of college was actually working for TV, uh, TV station in West Virginia in Clarksburg, WDTV. Uh, when I was... About a year from graduate. No, no, sorry. It would have been much closer than that. It was only a few months. I was maybe like four months away from graduating college. Mm-hmm. Um, I got offered a grad, like a GA position oh, okay. with the athletic department at WVU, where mm-hmm. I would have been able to essentially get my master's on, right? I would have had to work like 40 hours a week right. for the athletic department, but I would have been getting paid and I would have been able to get my master's for free. And I was kind of torn. I was like, that could be fun. But I had also talked to people who were in the program, and they were like, dude, it is, it's two years of – That's a grind. I mean, you're working like eight hours a day, and you're doing like four, five, six hours of homework and reading and, and research every day. And I was just like, I don't know if that's for me, but maybe it could set me up nicely. So I'm home, right, right. over a break or a weekend or something, and I had texted Ken or emailed Ken, and I was like, can we get together? I got some things I want to bounce off of you. So Ken and I go out to lunch downtown for some th- some Thai food, and I you know, kind of laid everything 
out for him. I was like, I've got this opportunity. Da, 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 da. And he goes, what do you want to do? You know, when you look into the future, five, ten years from now, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, son? And I said, I either want to be talking sports on TV or on the radio or right. I want to be a hockey broadcaster. Okay. Um, and he kind of like laughed and looked at me and he said, yeah, you don't need to go back to school. <laughs> he said, he said a journalism degree, a broadcasting degree is completely fine to do all those yeah. things. You're just going to be wasting your time. The experience He's like, wanna, is key. If you want to go into teaching one day, you know, or right. you want to go into maybe like some type of athletic, like administration or communications. Correct. Yeah, sure. It's a great thing to have a master's degree. He's like, if you just want to be a radio jabroni, you don't need that. And I was like, all right, that's good enough for me, baby. No Boom. more school. I like it. So the only school that I'm going to is the school of Professor Motes. And Motesy, you have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think three different things you want to talk about here. Yes, sir. All right. So, so. first off, uh, I think you want to start on the offensive side of the football? Yes, I will. So today's class, we will talk about how to take the proper second year leap. And James Washington has been displaying that throughout this preseason and in particular Yesterday, he put together a third strong performance. You saw the beautiful, beautiful touchdown pass that he caught from Mason Rudolph. And he just continues to show what the second year leap should look like. It started in OTAs by him dropping the weight. It started with him understanding the significance of being an NFL player, how to grow and develop. And now you're seeing him do it in stadiums, which was the next step, which was the next phase of the second year leap. So James Washington is a fine example of what a second year leap should look like. Now, the next Hold on real quick. I got a James oh. Washington question oh, okay. for you. Okay, go for it then, baby. Let's do I, it. I, that's right. Oh, wait, it's hold quick. on. I forgot oh, to raise my hand. Raise your I hand. should have raised my hand. Here we go. Questions. Boom. Is this the part where you call on me? You got to go, uh, uh, yeah, kid in the kid, front with the kid, good hair. Hey, hey, kid right there. You're not sitting in the front. You know that. That's <laughs> in, in the back there. On your kid in the phone. back. Put the phone down. <laughs> Quit passing notes to that girl. She doesn't want to talk to you. Absolutely. So kid in the back with the good hair. Talk to me. Uh, I kind of brought this up a little bit when we started, but I knew you wanted to talk about James Washington specifically, so I didn't want to dive into it. Uh, concerned or not really that we still, in a game setting, haven't really seen him and Ben on the same page? Well, I think that's just due to the lack of time of Ben actually being out there. Sure. If you saw yesterday... Like yeah, I'm not said, saying they failed in right, their right. attempts. They just haven't really had an opportunity. Absolutely. They just haven't had an opportunity. And sometimes that's not a knock on either one of them. I think... What we can put our hat on or hang our hat on is the fact that James has been productive with whichever quarterback he's been out there with. Whoever tends to throw him the ball, he's found ways to be productive. Yesterday, he only had two targets, but one of them was for a, a what, 47-yard touchdown? So when you think about that, it doesn't really matter what's going on from the quarterback position. I want to see him continue to make plays. I want to see him continue to grow and develop and continue to understand how to run under a ball and catch it when he needs to jump, catches in traffic, a.k.a. the combat catches, mm -hmm. and displaying just confidence with his hands. And those are all the things that we're continuing to see from him. And he's done it numerous times now. So even though Dante Moncrief more than likely will be the number two receiver to start the season – I still see James having a huge year and potentially surpassing him this season. All right, class, we got that. Everyone good? Everybody pick, good? Pick up on that already. Right. Any, right. any last questions? No? All right. All right. Going right. to the next topic. Moving then. on here. All right, the next topic, the next lesson that I would like to talk about is why a pass rush is vital Ooh. to the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense success. And Stephon Tewitt and Bud Dupree are the guys that I want to call to the board for an example. 
You saw early in the game. Three gold stars for those guys. Absolutely. So you saw early in the game, Stephon Tuitt wrecking havoc, or excuse me, wreaking havoc in the interior with his pass rush. He had the sack on the beautiful game with him and Cam Hayward interior in the interior line. And just all night, he was a nightmare for anybody trying to block him. He was. That's the interior pressure that you need consistently. He is a wild card in terms of this defense, in terms of this defense being successful. Then you look at Bud Dupree. We've talked about Bud Dupree all offseason. He's been the guy where they picked up his option. People still were on the fence about him. He didn't get the contract extension, so clearly the organization is still on the fence about him. But in the two games that he's played in thus far, he's put together back-to-back performances that were very impressive. The rush that he did in particular last night, the long-gone bull rush coming off, even though they gave the full sack to it, if they wanted to argue it, they could definitely argue to make it a half, but it's preseason, so you don't have to do that right now. But just seeing that style of rush, that shows the mental growth that he has taken. That shows that he's not just trying to run around and beat guys with speed rushes. He's understanding that, hey, I have speed. I have a power combination that is second to none. And now he's displaying it. He's using it. But with both of these players, they have the potential to do something special. You look at his contract. He was paid because he has the potential to do something special. Now... Let's go out here and do it consistently. They showed yesterday they can do that. So it'll be exciting to see how this looks in Foxborough on the Sunday night football matchup. Questions, class. Uh, yes, Professor Boats, uh, you, you talked about Bud's one one arm, his, his strong arm there on that pass rush move. And wow, that was so good. Reminded me a little bit of Cleoback. Ah, yes, that's a great assessment and a great, great comparison because Khalil Mack specializes in the long arm bull rush. A lot of people just think of Khalil as, oh, he's going to take an inside move. He might try to beat you off the edge. But no, he sets it up with his power rush. And when you have a first step like those type of guys have, the speed to long arm bull rush is perfect because you get the tackle to open his hits up. You get the tackle to have to play faster than he would like to play because he's concerned about your speed running around the edge. And Bud has that type of speed. He has that type of threat. But now people have seen it, so they're anticipating it. They're jumping out ready for him to try to do a speed rush, and they run him by. So now he showed that you can catch guys off guard and use that power, that long-run bull rush, to have the type of success that you need to be a double-digit sack guy. Oh, yeah, Professor Motes, one last question for you here. Yeah, kid with the tattoos. So, <laughs> so, so Stephon Tuitt and Bud Dupree. Um, I think we all know what we're getting from Cam Hayward. Absolutely. I think we all know what we're getting from T.J. Watt. It's uh, it's it's Bud and Stefan who contend to be maybe a little bit more wild cards. So if you if you had to guess that only one of those guys is going to have a huge year this year, who's it going to be? I'm going Bud Dupree. I'm still doubling down on Bud. I think with it being a contract year for him, he feels a lot more pressure. With him being frustrated with not getting the extension, he has something he wants to prove. And just from an outside linebacker standpoint, when you're going against the left tackle. You're, you are in a better position to be successful because you only have to beat that one guy. You're going to be isoed the whole game. Whereas the interior lineman, for two, he has a guard he has to worry about, a tackle he has to worry about. Sometimes he has to worry about the center. Anything, it's, it's a lot more trash for him to have to fill through. So that's why I'm betting heavy on Bud Dupree. All righty, no more questions here. Moving along to All Professor right. Motes' final lecture point. The final point in today's class is going to be about how to properly create space in a competition. Mason Rudolph 
has been in a QB competition with Josh Dobbs all offseason for the number two quarterback spot. And up until this game, it was debatable. Who did you think was the guy? Not, uh, for, not for your student, Wesley Euler. Well, hey. He said week one, Mason was his guy, well, hyperbolic hey, or not. All I'm saying is this, man. Everybody can make a hot take. Everybody can take a guess. <laughs> everybody can take a leap. You swing for the fences. You might hit a home run, but it's more likely you're going to strike out. In this particular instance, though, Mason took a huge step forward. And more so when we look at Mason, the beautiful touchdown pass off of his first Hey, his first play, mm-hmm. that's how you want to start it out. When you're in a competition, you want to do exciting things. You want to do things that makes the coaches say, wow. And that's what he did. And he had a little bit of help in terms of creating that space when you think about what Josh Dobbs did in terms of turning the ball over for the second week. Sure. So all of those things play into it, but Mason is doing his job. He's controlling what he can control. He's making sure that he makes plays in the amount of time that he has, and that's all he can. That's all he has to worry about. And the fact that he's doing it with his old college running mate, Mr. James Washington, that always makes them boys feel good. Man, they're going to have a beautiful pitcher montage when they're done playing. I got a couple questions for you, Professor Motes, about yes. Mason Rudolph, but we're up against a break You make it here. quick, son. When we come back, I'll, I'll ask you those questions, uh, and we'll also transition into talking about a, a quarterback who made some big news. Absolutely. Some big waves, Andrew big, Luck. Big. Uh, and that division and kind of just a, a big shakeup across the National Football League. So let's talk a little quarterbacks when we come back. I like it, my for friend. For hour two. 412-919-1316 if you want to chime in at Wesley Euler at the body 52 on the Twitter.com. Euler and Motes rolling along on a Monday afternoon. Just getting started. Three hours today, Motesy. Plenty of time. On ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz. On your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Hour number two, Euler Emotes inside the electric factory on a Monday afternoon. A heavy, 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 Steelers heavy first hour of the show as preseason game number three is in the books. Yes, indeed. Before we know it, Thursday is going to be here and then we'll wake up Friday and we'll be staring down a WVU JMU matchup the next day. We'll be staring down a full slate of college football. Absolutely. And the real thing will finally be the real thing as we approach Labor Day weekend. It's all happening here quickly, Motsi. Absolutely. But speaking of college, Ooh. I'm not doing my lecture yet. Yeah, that's right. You so, know, you, so I know you have some questions, you right? You laid so much on us in that short class period there, Professor Motes, that I just had to come to your office hours and ask a few more questions. You know, it was a lot going on today, and I was taking notes really fast, uh-huh. and I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay, well, well I do have a rule. Okay. In my office hours, you have to come bearing gifts. So what did you bring? Um, I brought you this cool little WVU football. Oh, you're you trying know, to get your an favorite, F. Your favorite team, <laughs> the Mountaineers. Not a chance, baby. <laughs> this is the James Madison University, Tom's Pittsburgh Steelers School. Actually, I brought you a uh, a new uh, chicken sandwich and oh. Cajun fries from this place down the street. Now this five-star you're cuisine to me. place. I think it's called Popeye. Only like the best cuisine ever i still gotta get one of those sandwiches one of these days well you know my plans are foiled this week right because my plan was 
normally uh, like two or three days a week, I go down to the right. south side of the Steelers facility. Um, and, you know, there's that Popeye's right there on the mm-hmm. south side. So I was like, perfect. I'm, I'll grab it this week. Well, we had some with the late game last night. Right. And a lot of those guys not getting back to the wee hours of this morning uh, with the game on Thursday, which Tunch and Wolf and, and Dale and everyone has, has to travel on Wednesday and Friday. Our schedule's kind of different this week. Right. We should let everybody know. Um, if you were looking for Tunch and Wolf this morning, it's not just that you couldn't find them. Uh, if you're looking for Matt and Dale this this evening, it's not that you can't find them. Those guys are actually getting the week off. Yeah, they gave those guys all the vacation and told the young pups <laughs> to work it overtime. So that's that's what, part of why you and I are here from noon to three. It gave you a little extra hour of the electric factory to hopefully uh, make up for the loss of some of that content. But because of all that, I'm not going to be down on the south side this week. So it mm. might be next week before I get this Popeye sandwich. Jeez. But, Professor Motes, I ran across campus. I made sure I got you one, even though I'm starving personally. Well, I that, know. that was a smart move, son. Uh, I know, smart move. Uh, I know. Uh, I just had to ask you some final notes about Mason Rudolph there. All right. Talk to me, young fella. Uh, you said that you think now you're clearly, you know, you're one student, Wesley Euler, who was way ahead of the curve, as he always is, and saying that it was Mason Rudolph's job. Um, you mentioned there some of the stuff that led you to be more encouraged by him, mm-hmm. while also at the same time how maybe you're, you're not as high on Dobbs anymore or you, you've seen enough from Dobbs to know that Rudolph has the higher ceiling. Uh, I'm not trying to put any words in your mouth, Professor. That's so, what it sounds like you're doing, so but all right. I, so I want to know, uh-huh. was it more with Mason Rudolph's performance that you were encouraged by or more more uh, maybe turned off by what we've seen from from one Josh Dobbs the last couple weeks? See, that's the one thing about you young kids. You want to live in the absolutes. It has to be one or the other. That's right. It has to be this right. or that. There is no gray. It has to be black and white. That's right. But that's There's not no minutiae but, but that's not life, my young son. <laughs> and the longer you learn, the wiser you will become, and you will understand what it's like to be a professor, young man. So in terms of that question, it's a mix of both. I think Mason continues to impress with his arm, um, his accuracy, and his touch. Those are the big things with him. I think Dobbs, he still showed promise last night with his escapability, the things that we talked about. You look at how he was able to evade, uh, avoid the rushers coming up inside the, uh, the middle, mm-hmm. scrambles off the pocket, hits a beautiful pass to Trey Griffey right on the sideline. Beautiful, beautiful. That's what you love it about Dobbs. Really nice. But then the next two plays, he turns around and he misses a, a throw to the flat, and then he throws a um, – it was another, you know, just off pass – and those are the inconsistencies right now that have kind of been rising their head up. And then he has the interception as well. So when you're looking at that from a whole body standpoint in the preseason, regardless of why they are what they are, Dobbs is sitting at zero touchdowns, two interceptions, whereas Mason is sitting at three touchdowns, one interception. And with Mason's interception, it wasn't an errant pass. It was just a miscommunication between him and James Washington. So these are the reasons why I'm leaning more in saying that Mason is definitely in the lead right now. Now, that's not to say that if Dobbs goes out here on Thursday, throws five touchdown passes, 200 yards, and Mason goes out here and, and throws two interceptions, that I'm going to be feeling the same way. But as of right now, from what we've seen up to this point, it's definitely safe to say that Mason's in the league. And it's I know you young guys, Mr. Hey, I made this call months ago, this and that. I just challenge you to, to ask yourself, how could you accurately make that decision or come to that conclusion without seeing it played out in the field? Well, Professor Motes, when you have such a keen eye for talent, sometimes you just uh-huh. notice these things. Is that right? <laughs> 
unreal. Let's go to the phone lines here. Juan, our buddy in South Carolina, hey. he wants to weigh in on the quarterback battle. Juan, what is happening and what do you got for us? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Not too much, Juan. Just having some fun here on a Monday Absolutely. afternoon. I see you guys are on an extra hour. I like that. I like that. All week. Yes, indeed. Appreciate you. All right. So I just want to say, I've been seeing it. I've been seeing Rudolph is going to be the number one two quarterback because he wouldn't raise a high draft pick like that. And also, I want to say, do you guys think two two yard strip is going to make the fifty three? Because this guy is balling. Yeah, man. So uh, when we talk about Tazar, I think that he's been you know, really turning some heads. And he's a true example of the next man up mentality, but also just taking advantage of the opportunity, mm -hmm. the the Wally Pip theory. You know, it doesn't matter why he got the opportunity. It didn't matter, you know, when he came in the game. But the thing is, he's being productive. He's making plays. He had the big uh, sack force fumble last night. He's had multiple sacks throughout the preseason. And, you know, it, it could be just a product of, those other guys not being out there, but whatever it is, he's making the most of it, and that's the reason why I'm extremely high on Tazar, and I think that he will make the 53-man roster. Now, when we talk about Mason, I understand you say it was a high draft pick, but I've seen in Pittsburgh, they they are not afraid to, you know, a third, fourth, or fifth rounder. That's not a guarantee here, whereas in some other places, those are traditionally guaranteed picks. Right. So in that regard, that's why I'm still, I was a little more reserved about it, but I always said this, when you, when you talked about those two quarterbacks, it was a pick your poison. Do you want the traditional pro-style quarterback that Mason is, where you know he's tr just standing in that pocket, drop back, throwing it, or do you want a guy who can make the throws, but at the same time has the athletic ability that Dobbs presents? And that's kind of where a lot of people draw the line in terms of what they want. Because you have to remember, if Ben goes down, you're not – neither one of those guys are Ben. So at the end of the day, it's going to be a drop-off. So it just depends on what things are you looking for in that next uh, – in that guy that's going to be coming in. All righty. And one more thing. I have to agree, too. Offense and defense could be a top five because the way the defense looked last night, that defense is off the chain. Absolutely. We're with you, too, Juan. Thank you for the call. I They flew around. ton of speed. I'm excited. They're forcing they're forcing turnovers. That's been you know one of those things that obviously we've talked about since March at the I owners' like meeting. The amount of forced fumbles that I've been seeing is just wow. It is it, it's, mind it's, blowing, man. It's encouraging because as we've talked about, it's almost like you hear it in baseball. It's cliche, but it's true. You always hear hitting is contagious. You know, mm -hmm. once one or two people in the lineup start hitting, that just trickles down to everybody else. I think it's the same with defenses. Taking the ball away, playmaking, splash plays uh, can be contagious. And the Steelers have been setting that tone all offseason. Absolutely. And I will say this. As a player, when you're out there and you see your friend, you see your teammate, your brother make that force from with the interception. You want to go do like, it? I got, I got to get one. Yeah. I can't be the guy who doesn't get one. It's that no guy's different. getting all this love for that right. turnover. I want some love, too. It's no different if you're the quarterback and you're throwing a touchdown pass. The next guy coming in, he's like, I want to throw me one. Or if you're the receiver, <laughs> catch one. Like, I want to catch one. I want a touchdown. You know? I got a Tuzar Skipper question for you before we transition here. Uh-huh. 24 years old as a rookie, does that – when we get into this, okay, who's going to be the 51, 52, 53 men? Who's making the practice squad? We know how much Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and the Steelers like the younger guys. Mm -hmm. 
does him being 24, if it comes down to almost like the conversation that we've had a little bit with the quarterbacks, right? Uh, who's cheaper? Who costs you less? Who's more cost controlled? Who's right. going to be here longer? Who are you not going to have to pay, et cetera, et cetera? Do you think his age, if it comes down to a toss up between him or one of the younger guys like Ulysses Gilbert or, or Sutton Smith, or I think we all, we both think Ola's going to make the roster, but right. Ola's three years younger than he is. Could his age kind of work against him, or is it still, hey, he's a rookie, that's something we'll worry about a few years down the line if we have to make some of these decisions? Dollars are key. Age is secondary. Dollars are key. Right now, he's extremely cheap. He's still going to be under a rookie contract. It doesn't matter if he's 30. He's still under a rookie deal, and they're not saying right now that he's the next coming of a James Harrison, of a Lamar Woodley. He, they're not saying that, oh, this is the guy that we wanted to take in the first round. He was a guy you took a flyer on. Right. And he's producing, and he's showing that he can't play. So in that regard, I don't think that age has anything to do with it because they haven't looked at him as that type of guy yet. And it's still too – it's way too premature to even paint with that broad of a brush, you know, as, as one Coach Tomlin always likes to say. But I do think that if he keeps playing like how he's playing, I think he had, he's in the driver's seat for that, that final outside linebacker spot. I think Sutton Smith has a lot of work to do to cool. catch up. And I think that's the difference because I feel like Ola has done enough and he's an intriguing enough prospect that you keep him. But Sutton is the one that he's missed a ton of time and they're not familiar with him. And familiarity, that, that kind of hurts him right here in this in this case. And you can't make the club in the tub. That's what they say. Yeah, we're going to do uh, in hour number three, I want to do a little, I guess we could call it stock up, stock down. Well, you know, I like to play the stocks anyways. With, with, yeah. Well, we know Professor Motes plays the stock market. Well, uh, when you're this wise. So we'll, we'll get into some of those discussions. Uh, Skipper, Sutton Smith, Ola. Uh, Tuzar, I just said Skipper. Tuzar and Skipper <laughs> would be the same person. Are you sure? Uh, uh, this is that same smart kid, huh? Ulysses, Ulysses Gilbert. I want to. I want to go through a lot of these guys, um, and and kind of get some of Motsi's uh, Motsi's opinion. And we'll even talk a little. Some guys have been around longer too. Switzer, Eli Rogers. Absolutely. Uh, we'll get into all of that in hour three. But Professor Motes, we had a. A big piece of breaking news on campus. We did. This week. We did. Uh, one of the most prominent guys in the league. Oh, man. Andrew Luck. A captain. Hanging him up. Jeez. Uh, that's, man, that's one of the most surprising sports pieces of news in a long time. Without a doubt. Um, when you just think about what he was able to accomplish in such a short time frame. Particularly with all those injuries. Absolutely. I think that's why. A lot of people were extremely surprised by this because you know the potential he has. You knew what the Colts walked away from with Peyton Manning for Luck. Mm -hmm. You know what they invested in Luck, and you know that that team is only as good as Andrew Luck is. If Andrew Luck is healthy, that team's in the playoffs like they were last year, potentially a top three team in the AFC. Yeah. But without him, drastically different. Oh, without a doubt. Drastically different. I, I want to talk with you about how – how drastically different now the Colts are, a team that we all considered one of the you know top five Super Bowl contenders, if Absolutely. you will. I want to talk with you about that. I want to talk to you about how kind of that whole division has been thrown into flux now when you consider this, uh, when you consider the injury to Lamar Miller, when you consider maybe some of the stuff going on with the Titans now. And, that well, and even the potential and movement with uh, Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney as well, too. There's a whole lot going on in that division. Uh, I, I got the numbers for you, too, exactly. So Andrew Luck's retirement, what that did for the Colts in terms of Vegas's mind. I want to run that by you. And also, 
I compiled for you three terrible takes okay. about Andrew Luck. I like this. From very prominent national people. Are you talking about yourself, Wes? No, I'm not that prominent. Oh, I'm not okay. on TV like you. You know, oh, I'm not on stop. WPXI like Arthur but, Moe. But, but you do have your own badge to get into the building. This is true. I'm just saying. I can't even go to the bathroom without you. Oh. I can't. I need your ID. Well, Period. that's just because we're best friends, you know. <laughs> can't go anywhere without each other, you know. I want to know which is the worst of these Andrew Luck takes, and I, I want to discuss a little bit more with you too. Again, that division, kind of your experience with Andrew Luck, and, and just a bizarre, bizarre announcement and the timing of everything. We will get into that when we return. We'll also take your reaction continually at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body Four One Two Nine One Nine Thirteen Sixteen on the phone lines. Euler Motes, the Electric Factory. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Andrew Luck's retirement coming down on Saturday night. I mean, talk about a Saturday news dump. So sad, man. It's just ruined my whole weekend. Jeez. I legit, when I saw that tweet from Schefter, I was like, this has to be a mistake. I thought it was one of the uh, the burner accounts, the fake accounts. Right. I kept looking like, is that the is he verified? Is this the real verification? Even when I saw the check mark and everything in the file, the ESPN, I was like, okay, maybe he just means they're shutting down Andrew Luck for the season. You know, maybe something's going on here. Oh, it is, fellas. I've been thinking about this now for almost two days. Most surprising, most bizarre sports story, sports announcement in a long time. Obviously, we could talk about the uh, retirement, the shock retirement of Calvin Johnson. Right. I think that's up there with a lot of people. Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. If you're talking just in terms of specific retirements, uh, for me, Patrick Willis was a huge one. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Those were all surprising, but I think at least the timing on those was a little. I mean, you know, it wasn't a week and a half, two weeks before the season Mm -hmm. starts. Oh, man, uh, like just in general too, just bizarre, shocking, surprising sports stories uh, that have have kind of turned the league upside down, especially turned that division upside down. I mean, this is changing fantasy football, changing sports bets, changing projection. I mean, this is massive ripple effects. Absolutely, and um, you know, I was considering taking him at my second overall pick in my fantasy league, but uh, glad Good I did thing it. You did. Huh. Sheesh. But yeah, man, just the impact of him announcing that retirement, the ripple effect is, is crazy. I mean, from a team standpoint, you're essentially going to have to find who your guy is. Is it Jacoby Brissett? We've seen him in a large sample size trying to be the guy, and it was very underwhelming. So we know that roster is not built for Jacoby. It's right. built for luck. Right. The things that they do, <clears throat> they can get away with a lot because of luck. So how are you going to replace that? Are you? It's not a lot of quarterbacks out there on the market right now through free agency. Do you try to make Landry a, Jones? Hey, well Landry's <laughs> under contract now, man. He's under contract. He's locked in. Can't do it. So do you make a trade for somebody, or do you say, you know what, we're going to have to bite the bullet this year and then address the QE position this offseason? I mean, I think that's got to be the move, right? At this point, it's it's so late in the season. Because even if you trade for say a, a, a Eli Rogers, I mean not Eli Rogers, the Eli Manning. Even though I doubt that would ever happen because, okay, he's an upgrade over Jacoby. You're essentially going to have to get him in there and within, what, two weeks, get him up to speed, get the offense offense up to speed. That's just not realistic. At the quarterback position on top of that, it's not real. Uh, Man, and it's it's crazy, too, because if you're the Colts, how do you navigate this? Because 
The rest of your team's pretty dang good. Are you going to tank for if, Tua? If you were right, if you were a 6, 7, 8 win team last year, it's a little bit easier to be like, all right, we'll just take a step back this yeah. year. And then, yeah, we, we like a lot of the quarterbacks that are coming up. Tank we for still, Tua. We've still got a really young core. But, man, how do you tank for Tua when you've got a lot of all pros all over the rest of that roster? It's like those guys. Are you going to shut down Quentin Nelson, shut down T.Y. Hilton, shut down Darius Leonard? You don't have to shut those guys down. Let them go out there and be productive as they want and and get the accolades they want. But you all know, realistically, when your quarterback retires two weeks before the season starts, your season is done. If Big Ben walked in here today and said he's retiring, I don't care what you say about Juju, Cam Hayward, Joe Hayden, all these guys – it's over this season, period. Yeah. We, nobody wants to see Ben not be out there. Nobody wants to see Andrew Luck not be out there. If Tom Brady said he was retiring today. I'd be happy. We're throwing a party. New England New England would not be the same. They would know, okay, this is not going to be our year. Yeah, you're right. All those, a, all those cockroach Patriots fans would crawl only, back to the holes they came from 12 years it's, ago. It's only a couple of teams that legit have a backup quarterback that could come in there and they still would be fine. Philly used to be one of those teams. Yeah, I don't know about any. Is there any team in the National Football League now? I mean, and Jacoby Brissett, to be fair to him, is if you were going to rank the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL, he's top five. Well, yeah, absolutely, I yeah. Think. I think he's definitely up there. But a top five backup quarterback is not a franchise quarterback. Right. It's not a guy who was on a Hall of Fame trajectory if he could have stayed healthy. It's not a guy that when you look at what he did in his first six seasons, puts him up there with the best of the best ever. It's not like you've got some high pedigree guy like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers right. waiting in the wing. Absolutely. That situation is drastically different. Yeah, it, it is bizarre. That's the yeah. word I keep coming back to. And I gave you guys some time to marinate on this one. The only other sports story in my lifetime. And so, like, I'm 28 years old, right? I think I really started getting into sports around probably like age 12, you mm-hmm. know, like sixth grade around that time. So, in the last 16, 15, 16 ish years, this is one of the most surprising sports. And again, like, I tried to leave the Aaron Hernandez murders out. Like, I tried to leave criminal stuff, Jeez. right? Like, <laughs> is that fair? I-, I tried to leave criminal stuff out of this. In the most surprise, like like the whole Jerry Sandusky thing. Like, I tried to leave that kind of stuff out of this. I'm yeah. talking surprising and bizarre for non-criminal reasons. Thank you. The, <laughs> the only other thing that I can come up with that is surprising and as shocking as this happened about a year and a half ago in okay. the NBA when there was a general manager and his wife creating burner accounts to talk <laughs> trash to their number one draft pick. So I'm talking about Brian Colangelo, Absolutely. the Philadelphia 76ers GM, and his wife getting caught having burner accounts that they were talking trash on Markel Fultz and the rest of the team. Like, that is bizarre. Hey, man, sometimes you got to express yourself. <laughs> but I, like, that's it. That's the only thing that is surprising and is bizarre as a 29-year-old, one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, just walking away in a year where a lot of people were picking them to win a Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah, enough. I mean, for me, I don't really have another one. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's a little bit shocking for different reasons right. than one you brought up. <laughs> general, I mean, <laughs> general manager just yeah, sitting yeah. there on his burner telling Marco Fultz, you stink, <laughs> you can't shoot. But, you know, the one that comes to mind for me, I wasn't alive for the OJ stuff. I know you said to keep the criminal stuff out of it. But right, that this too. Is, 
this is one of those moments that, as sports fans, you're going to look back on. You're going to say, "Where were you when? Right. When Absolutely. Andrew Luck retired? Mm-hmm. And and like you said, Wes, he's in the prime of his career. He's finally looked like he was starting to get healthy again. Yeah. And then one injury sets him back. And I, I, can't, I can't remember where I heard it, but someone on an ESPN station or some somewhere was talking about the NFL, and they said that the NFL is a better league when Andrew Luck is in it. Without a doubt. And that is 100% true. And, I mean, you see the, the outpour of, like, sadness and just people just shocked that he's gone. Mm-hmm. He made such an impact. And when you really think about it, he didn't even play that long. Think about it. Yeah. I mean, he set out, what, all of uh, 2016? Right. So I think only six, six five and a half seasons right. if you right. had in the injuries. I mean, in the injuries that he had, though, I mean, the shoulder, the lacerated kidney. Uh, right. You know, it, that's, it, I love people calling him soft, too. Like, oh, yeah, because you played an entire NFL season with a right. lacerated kidney. I laugh at those who call them soft, man. They oh. just, you know, they're, they're searching for things to make themselves feel better. No, without a doubt. And I, I like the point that Kellen brings up there. That idea gets thrown around a lot. Oh, uh, college football is better when Texas is good. The NBA is better when the New York Knicks are good. I, that line of thinking drives me crazy. Uh-huh. Baseball isn't better when the Yankees are good. I, I, it, like, it, I like baseball better when the Yankees it, are good. It, I agree it's, with you. It's, it's, better, it's better for <laughs> the suits. It's better for the TV ratings. It's better for it's, the no, league, but no. it doesn't make baseball better. What makes baseball better are superstars, are Mike Trouts, are Bryce Harpers, are no, Clayton Kershaw. No, what no, makes the NFL no. better <laughs> Is good quarterback play. No. Yes. No. Yes. NFL is better when the Steelers are good. Nope. Yes. Nope. Without a doubt. Nope. NFL is better nope. when the Cowboys are nope. playing well. Nope. When the Patriots are playing well. Better for who? Better for the viewer. Yes. Uh, no, not if I want to watch think Browns them. fans agree? I want to watch that. You do. I want to watch that. You That's do. how I feel. I don't care if LeBron plays in Miami, Cleveland, LA. I'm watching LeBron play. I don't care if the Greek freak stays in Milwaukee or uh-huh. goes to the Boston Celtics. I'm no, watching him play. No. I don't if, care if, if Andrew Greek Luck's freak, the quarterback of the Cowboys listen, or the Colts. Not a chance. I just want to watch him play. No. No. You're no. speaking like a suit over not there. Not at you all, know, what man. You got, you got your not hand in these TV all. contract pockets? Come on, man. I, I'm not turning on to watch Andrew Luck play for the Cleveland Browns, and they are terrible. I'm not turning to watch LeBron play, and his team is terrible. That Andrew Luck team with the Colts, That's they, you're not they a went real to win the second round of the playoffs last year. You're not a real fan. Yeah, you call it what you want. <laughs> Yeah, come you on! Call you can't you want, tell man. me you didn't love no. it when LeBron was dragging the corpse of uh, what? Of, of um, uh, what's his name? The guy with the crazy hair that I'm the center who played for Cleveland and Drew Gooden and no. Booby Miles, Harrison, Harrison Barish. Yeah, that, that was LeBron's dragging all these guys in the finals. Listen, okay, so tell me this: was viewership higher for that team, that Cleveland team, or that Miami team? The Miami team wasn't even close. The Golden State team. <laughs> well, okay, Golden State as well. Yeah. Right. Go- when, when, when Golden State is playing well, you want to tune in to watch that. When St- If Steph was hurt, if Katie is hurt, if they're not good this year, it's not the same. That's just how it is, man. You want to see right, good but, teams be good. But it doesn't matter if they're Golden State or Cleveland or if they're Boston and L.A. You want to see what? good teams be good. You want to see the good teams be good. Right. The right. good teams. I right. don't care if it's the Cowboys or the Colts or the Niners. What are we talking about there? We're talking about how good quarterbacks, a loss of a good quarterback makes the league worse. That's something I buy in. I buy into. <sighs> I don't buy into that. The worst, the lowest, quote unquote, lowest point where people were really saying, look at the NFL ratings. They're down. Look at uh-huh. this league. Is it? Is it finally 2014, 2013, 2015 in and that time? quarterbacks are still doing well. No, they weren't. What? You had Ben. You had Brady. You had Breeze. Aren't they the exact same quarterbacks we got today? No. And you had Rodgers. Oh, my. Come Peyton on. Peyton Manning had retired. 
Come on. Now, no, you didn't have Carson Wentz and Jared Carson Goff Wentz, and you're, Patrick that's Mahomes. A Philly, you are a Philly and, homer. And Carson Deshaun Wentz? Watson. All these young guys. Look at the quarterback situation in the NFL right now. It's time better time than it's ever been. Think about the guys Dak you just Prescott named. Dak Prescott isn't a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. Five think, years ago, he would have been top 12. Think about the quarterbacks you just named. All the young guys. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. What is so special about them? What are we talking about? Russell Wilson. What, what has Carson Wentz done? Because the what, quarter- No, no, no. Answer that question. What has he done? Oh, what's his record as a starter? What has Dak Prescott's record is better than him? Okay. Again, those two. <laughs> what are you saying? Those two five years ago, would have been considered top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. No, they wouldn't know. They would have. When no, you had Ryan, People were talking about Andy Dalton as a top 10 quarterback five it, years ago. What's the difference between Andy Dalton and Carson Wentz right now? Oh my gosh, are you serious? Are you, you're going you off of potential. Think, think, what, oh. what has Carson Wentz done? Potential. He would have won the MVP if he didn't blow his knee out in could've, week 14. Could have, would have, should have. Okay. Could have, would have, should have. He's won, his, what he's won has as many he playoff done? games as Andy Dalton. <laughs> how many playoffs games? How many times has he led his team to the playoffs? Uh, twice. You're telling me the past two years the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl and win a playoff game no, if it's not for Carson Wentz? If it's not for Nick Foles, what? You think if Nick Foles in 2017 or 18, whichever year it was, the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Yes. That they get the first overall seed in home field throughout the entire year if Nick Foles plays that whole season. So who was They're the Super Bowl MVP? And three who, who is was the Super number MVP? one seed. Who was the Super Bowl MVP that year? Okay. That's Fine. Not, who was Super Bowl MVP? That's not the question you asked me. Who was Super Bowl MVP? You asked me what Carson Wentz did. He got all, them home field all advantage. All I'm saying is this. He made the Falcons all I'm come saying to, is this. to Philly. Without, he made without the Vikings Nick Foles, come to Philly. Without Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, ah. It was still 50-50 this year. It was still 50-50 this year. Go talk to Jason Kelsey. Go talk to Lane Johnson. Go talk to Brandon Graham. Of course they're going to say that they are his teammates. If they would have won the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. Ask them if they would have won it without Nick Foles. Okay, but again, forget Carson Wentz then. You didn't have Patrick Mahomes a few years ago. Correct. Again, you had Ben, Breeze, Brady, Rodgers. Philip Rivers. you're naming all the all same. All of a sudden, you talk trash on Philip Rivers all the time. Obviously, he's not a great quarterback, but he's still. You're not going to put him in the top top ten. You're not going to put him in that conversation. Oh, I think Philip Rivers is a surefire Hall Shoot, of Famer. Even a couple like years Phillip ago, Rivers. think about this. You're talking about the 2014 season, correct? Even Eli, Eva, Eli Manning back then was still doing things. Right, but that's your barometer. What are we Eli talking about? Manning. What are we talking about? The quarterback play in the NFL right saying, now. 20, 2014 Eli Manning was still more productive than Carson Wentz, than Dak Prescott, than Deshaun Watson. That's all I'm saying. You sure about that? Pull him up, man. All right, we will. When we go to break here, yeah. we'll pull up some stats. You, you, you know got who, me up here raising my you know voice who today. Your, you know who were your young quarterbacks in the NFL in 2014? Let's hear it. Zach Mettenberger, A.J. Okay. McCarron, Garrett Gilbert. Uh-huh. Those guys are better than Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and so, Carson so Wentz. So those are the only quarterbacks you're going to name? Yeah. It's 32 teams. Get the name. <laughs> but I'm giving you no, the no, young, no, no, unproven no, no, no. guys. No, no, no. Get to going. Come on. Okay. So here are your stats from 2014. Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger were okay. your top four passing quarterbacks. Because was that the one Matt then Ryan? Then on their heels. Then on their okay. heels. Let's hear it. Stafford, Eli Manning, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler, all in the top 12. So you're so telling tell me, me tell Stafford, me. Eli, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, and Jay Cutler are better than Deshaun Patrick Watson, Mahomes, yes. Deshaun Watson. No, 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 no. Don't say Patrick Mahomes. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, yes. Absolutely, Dak Prescott. Carson Wentz, you're yeah, you can argue Jay that. You're taking Cutler over Dak Prescott. No, no, no. You you're said, taking you said Ryan Matthew Tannehill Staff- I will over take, Dak Prescott. I will take Matthew Stafford over both of them. I will take Ryan Tannehill over those guys at this moment. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Over Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was still playing in 2014, was he not? Right, but I don't think we would have considered him a top five, top six quarterback back then like we would now. We're not comparing them to top five guys right now. You said as a top ten quarterback. That's what you're saying. Yeah. 
Come I'm on, gonna man. pull up your 2018 passing Come leaders on, here. Man. Roethlisberger, Luck, Ryan, Rogers, sounds Mahomes, like the same guys you just named. Brady, no, outside of Mahomes. The other, so aside from the guys that I named, we're talking Stafford, Manning, Derek Carr, and Tannehill. Compared to Mahomes, Stafford again, uh-huh. Dak Prescott, and Matt Ryan. So what, it, it sounds like the Phillip exact Rivers, same list. Philip Rivers was in the top 10 in passing in 2014. He sounds like was the exact same list. 14th this year. Sounds like the exact same list. Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield, 16 and 17. You know who 16 and 17 were in 2014? Blake Bortles and Alex Smith. Who's better? Blake Bortles and Alex Smith or Baker Mayfield and Cam Newton and Drew Brees? So Cam Newton was in the league in 2014? He was... Stop it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Stop right. it. Stop but, it. But in 2014, it, Give Cam me a great Newton team. is a top 10 I passer see in the great NFL. Teams. He's I want to see great teams. last year. I want to see great teams. You're proving my point. No, I'm not proving your point. Great teams are started with a great quarterback, not just by being in Pittsburgh or Dallas nah, or wherever you're located. The market is better when those teams are winning, though. The market is better when there's better quarterback play Stop in the it. National Football League. It doesn't matter who they play for. Talk about 2014 wasn't good. Quarterbacks, cut it out. I'm not cut saying that. Out. I'm saying that I, give me between Eli Manning, Derek Carr, and Ryan Tannehill, or you're giving me uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Ryan. Were those guys still playing in 14? They were. Okay, say no more. But again, the top five guys, <laughs> you're talking again. I mean, literally, Russell Wilson was twenty, the 20th best rated quarterback in the NFL this year. And that was Kyle Orton in 2014. Kyle Orton. Whatever you say. Geno Smith was a top 20 quarterback in 2014. You, you can't you, play. You're naming three guys. You try to find the bums on the list and compare them to a Patrick Mahomes. No, no, That's no. not realistic. Cam Newton finished with similar numbers as Geno Smith in, in the pecking and, order. And let's be real. You cannot take the 2014. Apart. And let's be real. You can't compare 2014 numbers to 2018 numbers. The game has evolved drastically. Let's be real about it. It's not. Let's be it's real not about 1999. It. Let's be real to, about it. It's different. Ooh. Let's be real about it. Uh, yeah, it's different because the quarterback play is infinitely better. Whatever you say. Four one two nine one nine thirteen sixteen at Wesley Euler at the body fifty two. The body. If you want to react to any of that, we've also got to get to these worst takes, Andy Luck. Some of these are just like, what are people thinking? we got to get to all that, and we're going to get back into some Steelers stuff. Uh, and Moats wants everyone to get it off their chest, too. you got to get it off your chest, man. So we just got some stuff <laughs> off our chest. Uh, if you want any any of this, again, 412-919-1316, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 The banter continues Always. When, we, when we return. <laughs> All the phone lines are lighting this up, Moats. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Moats on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Off the rails a little bit there. See? Messing with you. But that's what happens. Messing with you. You got to embrace debate, baby. God, I don't even like raising my voice on days like today. But I think we can agree on where we started, right? Is that... I think the most, if you want to talk just good football, right? right? What is the number one factor to, oh, the NFL is a good product right now? Quarterbacks. 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 They and, want to see the touchdowns. They want to see the passes. And we could, we could disagree about where they play or who they play for and all right. that stuff. But I think uh, it is true. When you saw Peyton Manning retire mm-hmm. from that time that we had the young influx of quarterbacks coming into the league. Correct. So from like what? It would have been 2014-ish to... Two years there, yeah, three years there. Absolutely. I, I think 
the quarterback play, there was a little bit of a law there. Yeah. Where there was, as a whole, the quarterback play is better now. You you had a lot more Ryan Tannehills and Joe Flacco's back right. then, whereas those guys now are, um, I don't want to say Patrick Mahomes because he's a he's a terrible example. Those guys right. now are Deshaun Watsons, right? It's, right, it's, younger. They have yeah. a bit more of an upside. Even like a guy like Mitch Trubisky, mm-hmm. maybe is a good example. Like I feel like if he would have played in you See, know I feel a like few years Trubisky ago, is Tannehill, right? I feel like that's a very very comparable comparison right there. Whereas Tannehill's still hanging on and still getting some talk about a starter in in Nashville. Whereas if Trubisky has a bad year this year, they might be ready to to cut bait with him in Chicago. I just think teams now, there's less, maybe this is how I put it, there's less quarterback questions around the National Football League than there's been in a long time. Teams at least, if you and I don't believe in them, right? Like like, like Like a Mitch Trubisky or a Dak Prescott or maybe even a Jameis Winston. Correct, yeah. Like teams at least still think, okay, we've got our guy. Right? Is that fair? Like, I I don't think there's too many teams. How many teams in the National Football League right now really look at their quarterback and at least, if they're not saying he's our guy, they're at least not thinking he could be our guy. Well, I'm looking at the situation in Tennessee with Mariota and Ryan Tannehill right now. That's no guarantee. You look at even Tampa with Jameis Winston. Jameis, uh, with Jameis Winston. It's no guarantee that he's going to be there next year. So that's why I'm just kind of like, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think it is very... It's, specific with certain quarterbacks sure you know what i mean it's, it's not you can't just make that blanket statement like that because another thing i think about when we talk to these quarterbacks just even joe flacco for example 2014 joe flacco is regarded totally different than 2019 joe flacco so it's hard to say that this joe flacco is replaced by this player or, or even a deshaun watson when joe flacco his best seasons are, are way better than deshaun watson's best seasons and he did it longer and he did it in the big games, playoffs, Super Bowls. So for he had me, one of the best runs of a playoff, a singular oh, no playoff question. year season that we, I think you had, what, 11 touchdowns and no Absolutely. interceptions in that run for the Ravens? Absolutely. So that's my biggest thing with it. That's why it's hard for me to just say, oh, man, as long as, you know, these quarterbacks are better, that makes the NFL better today. I'm like, oh, I, I can't go 100% with you on that. But as long as your big market teams are playing well, then all is well, <laughs> period. Yeah. You want to see the Cowboys play well. You want to see the Steelers play well. You want to see the Packers play well. I That's don't. just how it is, man. Well, I don't mind the Packers. That's how it is. And the Steelers. That first team you mentioned. That's yeah. how it is, man. It's just yeah. life. I just want to see. I just want to see good football. I don't care where it comes from. I just want to see good football. You know. I. I. And I think again, kind of bringing this all back full circle. Right. Good quarterback play is the it equals good football. Equals good football. Without and a doubt. when you lose Andrew Luck at age twenty nine. You're losing a very good quarterback. Absolutely. You're losing good football. Absolutely. But it, it will not hurt the bottom line or the viewership standpoint no. because you still got no. the Steelers who are doing what they do. And unfortunately, the Cowboys and people talk about them, but, you know, they're in the conversation. Yeah. Big market teams. Hey, no, the Cowboys have won the division two years in a row or they won it last year. Won it last the playoffs year. Yeah, they flip, a wild flip card with, with the, the Redskins before. all the time. Oh, that's right. Because in that division, no it's one actually, has to win it back to like, back. It's been like 14 straight years yeah. since someone's won, won that back division to back. back to back, which is pretty crazy. Absolutely, particularly when you consider like it seems like the Steelers and the Ravens every, every year, year. <laughs> and then the Bengals sure. got one or two in there. But uh, we're talking quarterbacks, talking Andrew Luck. Uh, I want to get to some of these these bad takes that I have for you and and how that affects the division. But I see Devin's on the phone line here, and he wants to I think call me out about one of my takes there when we were arguing about from the last segment. What's happening, Devin? What up, fellas? What you got for How us? Doing? Hey, doing we're having, well, We're Devin. having fun. We're having fun. <laughs> and that's, that's what we like to do. Hey, like I said, I have to bat mostly on this. It's all about the teams. 
I, I, well, I hate everything about New England, but I hate the team of New England. <laughs> just like I hate Dallas. You right. gotta understand this whole this whole preseason. There's been four teams. There's been one team on every single uh, nationwide broadcast. It is yours and my Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. The NBC game last night. Every other preseason game on NFL Network. The Carolina game. It's all on NFL Network. And I don't even you know I could go to my local bar and I could talk about teams, but no one really cares about the individual players more than the teams since there's 53 men on the roster. That's why I say I, I have to agree with most. I think that. The hatred is more for a team. You grew up with the rivalry, and the, and the, the players come and go, but that team brand, baby, that team brand, that, that, that black and yellow. Absolutely. Oh, there's, right, there's, there's, there's no doubt. Oh, Devin, come on. I had an, he always nah, just signs uh, uh, off uh, uh, on us. Uh, uh, I got a drop, question Drop the for mic. Him. Get up out of here. <laughs> the Steel, I think we would agree, right? Um, the Steelers and the Cowboys, probably the two most loved and hated teams in the National Football League. Fair? Yeah, and New England. Uh, that's a good point, buddy. Okay, that, that plays in this as well, too. Are the, are, the, are the Steelers and the Cowboys and the Patriots more hated with Ben Roethlisberger, Tony Romo, and Tom Brady than Tommy Maddox, Bubby Brister, and Drew Bledsoe? I think they still hate him. I think it's oh, you want to see them man. when they're down. It's, it's no different. What did you just say if we said Tom Brady retired? You said, I'll be so happy. I would enjoy and, the fact that they would get beat and you, and would, you would throw a parade, ago, right? 15 you would throw years parade. ago, how, how high were the Patriots on the saying, NFL hierarchy All I'm of saying hate? is this. All I'm saying is this. You all it throw, took was a quarterback and a coach. All I'm saying is this. You would throw a parade to see them be down for the next 10 years, would you not? I'm sure half of America would tune in just to see them get beat. That's how it is. So it didn't, it wouldn't matter. But that started with the quarterback. The but Steelers it, and the Cowboys have had that going on for decades. The Patriots no have only different. been that for 15 so, years. So you mean to tell me even when the Steelers went through the bad years without Ben, their teams weren't tuning in to watch them get beat? People didn't want, they didn't want to see them lose? No, people hate watch a lot of teams in sports. That's how it is. That's me with the Pitt Panthers every Saturday, baby. Oh, Woo. man. Hell to Pitt. Uh, but that's actually maybe a better example. I... Don't watch nearly as much Pitt football. And now, granted, WVU and Pitt don't play in the same conference. Right. If Pitt were a top 10 team and were contending for the college football playoff every mm-hmm. year, I'd be watching almost all their games because I'd be rooting for them to lose. Now I watch one or two Pitt games a year, and it's when they play Clemson or Penn State. <sighs> but what about Alabama, though? I mean, I just love college football. I sit there from <sighs> noon on Saturday okay, till, okay. till midnight. Uh, but Alabama is maybe a good example. They had a lot of six and six, seven yeah. and five years before Saban got there where they mm-hmm. kind of started to fall off. But once they became the – well, I mean, I guess they never had to become. They've always been right. Alabama football. And but, I guess college is tough too because you have so many blue bloods. Very true. I mean, you've got Ohio State and Notre Dame and James Michigan. James Madison University. And JMU. Yeah. And, and you've got flu- all the Florida schools and you've right. got Texas and Oklahoma. Like there are a lot of right. pow. Like there's only in the NFL. I mean, you've got traditionally Steelers, Cowboys – Redskins, Packers, Bears. I mean, those are like the hated. Again, the yeah. Patriots weren't even a hated franchise until 10 years ago, maybe. Once they started winning. Once they started winning. And so, again, there's a lot of moving parts yeah. here. And I don't think there's Absolutely. one complete, you know, there's a lot of minutia here. Hey, hey, so what did, I, what did I tell you earlier in my, in my, in my class? You got to have the minutia. There, there are no absolutes in football, man. You deal with the gray areas. You have to embrace the minutia. You have to be able to move and maneuver through it all. It can't just be yes, no, black and white. That's not how this works, my young Padawan learner. <laughs> and part of the minutia, of course, is uh, expectations Very and, true. and over-unders and odds and all those things. Very true. How many, I guess I know the answer to this, so I want to put you on the spot. How many wins do you think the Colts dropped in Vegas odds and expectations after Saturday night? Ten. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm thinking Jacoby Brissett's their quarterback going forward. I've seen Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. They so let me tell you this: they're a six-win team now. They're over, they're over under in Vegas before Saturday night was 10, 10 wins. What do you think it is now? Four. It's seven and a half still. Seven and a half. Okay, well that's a testament that's to their two defense. And, that's two and a half right. losses without Andrew Luck. Their, their defense is top notch. Offensive line. Offense line has has improved drastically. You still have Ty Hilton. And maybe two because there's a lot of questions across the rest of their division. Right, right, and I think that does help. If they're if you're talking that team and you're putting them in the AFC North right now, it's not. If even you could close. still go three and three, four and two in your division, then you're fine. Then you're fine. All you got to do is you know win maybe yeah. four other games, and then you got an outside shot of winning the division at eight and eight. And I guess you a wild card, and you're in there. Or nine and seven, yeah. Or yeah. even yeah, eight and eight could win that division this yeah, year. Easily it really could easily. Like, they they might even be a seven and nine, ooh. like we've seen before. Mm-hmm. We've seen that happen before. We saw a seven and nine team win a playoff game. Yeah, think about <laughs> the Seattle that, man. Seahawks and Marshawn Lynch and Pete Carroll and the Beast quake mm-hmm. yeah a whole bunch to get into here I, I promise when we come back here i'm gonna get into these worst takes for you guys because listen there's been we've been doing some arguing here All right, i know now, man you got me raising my voice now, i tell you i don't even like the yell i thought you were Gosh. gonna say i don't even like you no i like you i just don't like to yell at you i feel bad we uh we gotta we gotta <laughs> yell and laugh at some other people how about hey, that? hey let's do it baby we come back uh we'll get into some of your phone calls too. stay on the line chris and Steeler jimmy 412-919 1316 on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the body 52 coming back on your 24 seven home of the black and gold Steelers nation radio. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers blitz on your 24 seven home of the black and gold SNR Steelers nation radio. Bonus hour. Hey. Free electric factory. It's almost like overtime. Wow. How about that? I like it. Yeah. Normally this time of day, you're going back to ESPN National for a few hours until Crowley and company come in. But an extra hour, bonus hour in the electric factory with Euler Remotes. And it's good timing, Motsi, because we got plenty going on here. Oh, man. Ton of stuff. Ton of stuff. We still got to talk stock up, stock down. Mm-hmm. We got to get it off our chest. Mm-hmm. We got another <sighs> hour to do so, and I want to make sure we get this out of the way. Andrew Luck, all this stuff that we've been talking about that led us into a bunch of different <laughs> bunch of different discussions here and quarterbacks versus national prominence and Emotsi and I arguing for the first time ever. We need that. We it's do. healthy for our relationship. It is. It's, it's fun, too. Those past two segments, Kellen's like, guys, we got a break. Guys, we got a break. We're like, but hold on. <laughs> um, so I wanted to make sure we got to this. With an Andrew Luck announcement, and this is kind of where we are in social media nowadays, but, right, it's kind of what you've spoken to. No one ever wants to have a, a nuanced take. Right. It's always got to be black. It's got to be white. It's got to be, I'm right. You're an idiot. Such, such an this absolute. is the way it is. It doesn't right. matter if it's sports. doesn't matter if it's politics. doesn't matter if it's chicken sandwiches. Right. That's how everyone's got to be on social media, on Twitter. So you already knew with Andrew Luck's announcement, you knew it was coming, that the macho millennial hating Twitter oh, the machismo. was going to come out and just tell you how much tougher they were than the guy that played through a lacerated kidney in the National Football League. Come on, man. So I have got... A, a two prominent national media members here, one from Fox Sports, one who works as a radio host in Indianapolis, 
And then I've got another guy who's a, a radio host and writer in Philadelphia who just took this Andrew Luck thing completely in opposite direction. Mm. So where do you want me to start here, Mozi? You want the indie guy, you want the National Fox Sports guy, or you want the Philly guy? You know what? I know you love Philly. Okay. So let's go Philly this first. Might be, this, this might be, uh, compared to the other two, at least I could kind of see where he was going. Elliot Shore Parks is this guy's name. Okay. And he, again, he, he works for the Eagles flagship on radio. He writes as well, too. Uh, and I think he's even like an adjunct Eagles employee, almost kind of like Tunch and Wolf, if okay, you will. Yeah. You know? um, Elliot Shore Parks is his name. And he tweets, imagine if the Eagles did the right thing. Uh-oh. Would a franchise Nick Foles instead of letting him go? Ooh. How much they could get from the Colts right now. I mean, just the hey. layers to that take of Jeez. bringing Nick Foles back into it. And I told you they should have franchised him oh, because man. I knew that Andrew Luck was going to retire and you'd be able to hold him ransom. The oh. guy who won you your only Super Bowl in franchise history. Yeah, we should have held that guy ransom Jeez. so that we could have held the Colts feet or the Colts feet to the fire over Andrew Luck. Give me a break. Golly. He's a schemer. Well, what are you? If, if the first thing in your mind is, oh, when Andrew Luck retired was, oh man, if my team would have just done this, we could have really We'd have benefited been fine. from this. We could have got over on those guys. Man, get out of uh. here! That that was just one of the most hot. That was one of the hottest takes that I saw on Twitter on Saturday night. But they only get better. Okay, let's keep it cooking, then, baby. Dan Dockage. Uh huh. He has done a bunch of stuff in the media. He was a college basketball coach for a long time. He works now for um, for the fan in Indianapolis as a mm-hmm. radio host. Dan Dockage takes to Twitter Saturday night. Uh-oh. I have family working in steel mills. I have family that are cops, that are teachers, making far less than this guy. <sighs> and he's tired, in quotation marks, my backside. Wow. Yes, because, you know, Andrew Luck being tired and being injured and being done with football has a ton to do with people working in steel mills and police officers and teachers who are all underpaid. Cut it out. He can make that same argument about that guy. The the radio, you're getting paid to talk on a microphone (laughs) and sit in a desk with AC. Here's the best part, too, Motsi. Dan Dockich, in 2001, Uh he was the head coach of Bowling Green basketball team. Okay. He took a job is the head coach at WVU, my alma mater. Oh, Men's basketball coach at WVU, Big East School. You want to know how long he lasted on that job, Motsi? Oh, how long? Before he resigned. How long? Eight days. Wow. Eight days. What happened? Because he said that he, I forget what his exact quote was, but that he uh, thought the expectations were at WVU were too high, and, and he couldn't get the guys to West Virginia to compete in the Big East. And then just John Beeline came in and right. two years later had him in the Elite Eight in the Absolutely. Big East Championship. But Dan Dockich, the guy who left WVU wow. after eight days because it was too hard, wants to tell Andrew Luck how to be a man. Unacceptable. It's just unbelievable. Unacceptable. And then here is the crim de la crim. Oh, now you're talking crown to me. jewel. Ah, yes. Doug Gottlieb from Fox Sports 1. Heard of the guy. Retiring because rehabbing is too hard is the most millennial thing ever. (laughs) Yes, how dare you, Andrew Luck? How dare you choose to stay unhappy, choose to stay injured, choose to stay with an organization that has continuously done you wrong? Who who cares about long-term health? It's overrated. When you're 40, you don't need to remember or be able to walk and play with your kids. No one cares about that. Yeah. Retiring because rehabbing is too hard is the most millennial thing ever. Yeah, Doug Gottlieb and getting kicked out of Notre Dame when you were in school there for stealing your teammates' credit cards wow. is the most Gen Xer thing ever. Wow. Give me a break. Talk to him. 
those were the three worst takes that I saw. And Motes, I know you played against Andrew Luck. You're a former athlete. And and uh, I just wanted to, like, in your opinion, right, these people, they just don't get it. Like, any uh, if I decided to retire today, mm-hmm. right, are you going to be like, oh, can you think of the fans, the He's listeners, so, oh all gosh. 12 of them who listen to you every day, You're what so are they going to do? Yeah, y'all, yo, you're choosing your wife, you're choosing your life, you're choosing your health over all that. I like Unreal, man. As a guy who played in the National Football League, I'm sure you've got no problem with what Andrew Luck did on Saturday. Absolutely. I feel like sometimes fans, media personnel, they lose the human element of the player. They only look at them as, what can you do for me now? What can you do for me? What have you done for me? They don't care about what that player is dealing with mentally or physically. And when you call them out on it, they justify it by saying, well, I'm just passionate. I'm just a diehard fan. But it's still unacceptable. I mean, this man has been through countless injuries, has played through countless stuff, and you still can't have enough respect for him to at least ad- pre- appreciate his decision. And and you don't. I'm not saying that you have to accept it or understand it, but at least respect it. That's the part that's crazy to me. Uh, torn cartilage, concussions, torn labrum, lacerated kidney, torn abdomen, torn calf. And, and I guarantee you, if you, years. if you put any of those, any one of those injuries on any of those guys who criticized him, right. it would be drastically different in terms of how they talk about it and how they view him. And there's a lot of people out there too, right, that have said, and this is the one thing that I think, if this is your thought process, I think this is reasonable. That clearly this has been something that's been on Andrew Luck's mind for a little while. He could have done this a little bit earlier than 10 days before the season starts. But what <sighs> I'll say to those people too and again, that's the only line of criticism that I can even let fly. Uh-huh. But what I'll say to those people still, too, is, one, you don't know what the rehab process was like. Like, maybe he thought he was getting healthier and then right. he had a setback in the past week and just, like, it just that was the final straw. But also, even if that's not the case, you would still want a guy who's only got half of his heart in it, who isn't that committed, who... Mm-hmm you know, is questioning if he wants to play football. You want that guy as your quarterback still? I don't. It's it's a car crash on every play. It is the smallest of margins of winning of any of the professional leagues. If you're not 100% dedicated, if you don't 100% want to be there, what's the point? Very true. You're not making your yeah. team better. I can see in that regard. But at the same time, I will say this. How many times have you, or just the person in general, contemplated a major decision? When, when, I mean, you might have known you were going to make the decision, but when did you 100% know without a shadow of a doubt that you were ready to make that decision, that you were ready to get married, that you were ready to leave school, that you were ready to go to school? All those decisions take time. And you can't put a, a timetable and say, oh, he should have known before then or he should have made the announcement before then because he might not have known. He literally could have been dealing with this over and over and over and over. And then he finally said, you know what? I'm ready to make the announcement. But then... Even with that, he already said that he was going to make the announcement to his teammates first, but he got leaked. So you can't even blame oh, him in that Adam regard. Adam Schefter. Yeah. So that's the part that sucks right there. It's like he didn't even get a chance to do it the way he personally wanted to do it. I agree with you. And he gets booed off the field yeah, and kind of rushed into the announcement. Unacceptable. Yeah, it was a shame to see how that all went down. I was just going to bring that up, actually, about the people that booed him off the field. You guys were talking about um, him and, and how, all the stuff he's gone through. And for his hometown fans to boo him off the field, one of the best quarterbacks to play in the last 
I don't know, 20 yeah. years maybe. And he's second never, best quarterback they've had in the history yeah. of that franchise. And Not even close. Yeah. And he's never got the credit that he actually fully deserves and then for him to walk out. Um, but the one thing I did want to say about Doug Gottlieb when you said when you said his tweet, that is the worst one of the weekend uh, uh, from anybody. And you would think that that would be a tweet that would come from an uneducated um, sports fan, you know, like someone just right. trying to make something right. funny or like, like get Joe recognition. Schmo, yes, you know, who lives outside of Indy. But no, yeah. it was it was Doug Gottlieb, a guy that has how many thousands of Twitter followers, and right. just made him look awful it's by saying that. It was, it was very yeah. irresponsible. Again, he got him. kicked out of Notre Dame for stealing a teammate's credit card. Yeah, don't tell me about being a good teammate right. or a hard worker or any of this stuff. Like none get, of that. Get out of here. I I wonder though, uh, with this. How much blame you guys put on the Colts? Because I put a deep, like not every, like there's all kinds of moving parts here, but they neglected his offensive line for so many years in the league. They clearly there's some something going on there with their medical staff and all the issues that he's he's had. See, for me, I can't put his decision to retire or his injuries not all of it on anybody. It's it's not indicative of their staff or their organization. I think when it comes to retiring. Speaking from experience, it's a personal battle that you deal with. Sure. And I'm sure, look, like I said, he didn't just wake up and say, oh, I think I want to retire. For me, Maybe I'll man, retire this week. Right. For me, I, I dealt with the, the issue of retirement for the past three years. Right. I was still going into my third year on the on the Steelers, making the most money I ever made. And I'm still con- I was still contemplating it. That's just how it comes. But you understand that, hey, if my heart isn't 100% out of it, then you keep doing it. Once you know that your heart's 100% out of it, now you got the option of, okay, do I do it half-heartedly or do I just completely walk away? So for me, I walked away. For luck, he walks away. But it's a ton of guys that stay out there. You think Andrew Luck's decision was bad? Ask the fans in Buffalo where the guy retired at halftime. I'm sure they have a totally different perspective. I'm sure they're like, no, I can respect Andrew Luck way more for his decision to retire when he did versus this guy retiring at halftime. So yeah, when we talk about that, doubt. man, yeah. And... and if if Andrew Luck was just some ordinary player who didn't have the type of success he had right. and things like that, this isn't even a conversation. He's Ryan Tannehill. Even. Right. You're just like, all right, cool. Like, we understand it. But because of how valuable he is to that organization and to that community, I think that's why you get the outcry. Because you knew his potential. You knew the trajectory oh. he was on if he stayed healthy. And He's I think... 29 years old. Right. And I think people have a hard time expressing that and getting it out. And that's why I think, too, like it's really easy to bury all those indie fans. And they deserve to be under a spotlight. Don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes, too, like like, I I think any fan base would have done that. And I know that's hard to say, and I know we don't want to look like that. But in the moment, right, like Mm -hmm. this is something that that Tom, Crowley's producer, always Uh says, in the moment, fans are always going to be fans. And mm-hmm. they're, they're at that game. They are third preseason game. They are like, we're almost here. We are going to win the Super Bowl this mm-hmm. year. We're going to go to the AFC Championship game. And then you see on your phone, bloop, Adam Schefter, Andrew Luck is retiring. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they're escorting him off the field. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a terrible look. They uh-huh. deserve to be criticized. Okay. But I also think at the same time, a lot of times, like in those moments, it's really easy to criticize the quick emotion in the fan base. I think it was a terrible now, look. Now, but I don't think it would have just happened in Indy. You say that, but what's the difference in if you're in an argument, it's the heat of the moment, and you do something that you shouldn't have done? 
Is that acceptable? Because, no, oh, it's, it's the heat it's, of the it's, moment, it's, right? It's not. <clears throat> it's the heat of the moment. It's not. You should be accepting of it, right? Because it just happened. People are going to be people, right? That's fans are going to be think, fans. I don't think we should be at, accepting at of the it. End of they the day, should be on blast. See, for me, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't, I would never understand it because you can't hold him to that type of standard, but then in the same breath, Say that, oh, I'm allowed to act like I'm allowed to say this. I'm allowed to boo this man because I, my feelings were hurt. 100%. Because I got let down. My man's been hurt numerous times. He sacrificed from his family numerous times. There's no justification for that. None whatsoever. So the fact that they want to say that, oh, man, it just happened. I just felt this type of way. No. Period. Because the same responsibility that you put on players to act a certain way when they're in public, right? When you're requested for an interview, when you're requested for an autograph, when you're tired, when you're physically beat up, when you're coming off through a loss, you still have to express yourself. You still have to put the smile on your face right. and talk. You're expected to do that. So out of that same regard, those fans, being that they are fans and that's what their title is, they should have the exact same onus on them to understand that, hey, you know what? As much as I feel, you know, Hurt as much as I'm sad about this, as much saying this and this and as this. As much as I spend ten grand a year right. on the Indianapolis Colts. Absolutely. You still, you still have to show that man respect. You still cannot boo that guy. I don't care under no stretch of the imagination is it acceptable. I don't think it's acceptable at all. I just think a lot of times when things like that happen, the fan the rest of the fans around the country go, Oh, shame on you. Mm. And thinking that they're much – that's all that I'm – I'm yeah, completely well, well, with you. There's no – I just think, think that that would have happened with almost every other fan base, not just the Colts. That's the only see, thing. And I'm not me, saying it's acceptable. I don't think it would But we see people uh, – Bengals fans threw empty beer cans at Ben Roethlisberger as he's getting escorted off but the field. No, 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 no. But that's the opposite team. That's like saying Steeler well, fans would fair. boo Ben Roethlisberger for Big Ben retiring today. On uh, the field. No, no, no. Not, not through social media. On the field. In Hinesville, uh, not happening. If that whole thing would have happened with in ben, Hinesville, you don't think there would have been in Hinesville. If Ben was coming off of how many injuries, missed how much time, you think that they would Ben? They, they would boo Big Ben. Some people. No, no, not some people. That was the majority of the no, people. No, come on now. Oh, did you hear it? If it was loud enough for you to hear, that lets you know they had to be the majority. Let's That's be real about it. If you've got forty thousand people, okay, and ten thousand of them are booing. You hear that? That's not the majority. That's one out of four people. Ten thousand still a ton of people, is it not? No, it you're, is. You're saying a few. A but few. A few standing, is like a couple of hundred people. Twenty-five percent of the crowd. Bro, that's still a ton of people. What are we talking about? We're here? talking about one out of every four people. All I'm saying is that's unacceptable. However oh, you flip it. Again, I completely. It's it, no it should not have happened. And, and I don't think Stone Nation not, would do that's that. That's not today. my argument. My All argument I'm is, is I don't think that would happen to a lot of other franchises. I don't think Stone Nation would do that to Ben, especially at Hinesville. And Ben, right now, no. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. But if Ben was 28 and hadn't won a Super Bowl and the Steelers were one of the most favored teams in the National but Football League. But at 28, League, Ben did win a Super Bowl. And the, but again, again I'm, we're playing oh, hypothetical okay. here. If he, if he wasn't. If, if he wasn't a two-time Super Bowl champion and it was, you know, a year that the Steelers had all these expectations. I just, I, again, I don't think Colts fans deserve a reprieve. That's not where I'm going with this. Mm -hmm. I just think we shouldn't be so quick to always point a finger. That's all That's all that I'm At saying. the end of the day, fans do better. How about that? Oh, always. Do always better. fans do better. But do again, better. I think at the end of the day, unfortunately, when you involve alcohol and macho watch no, no excuse. And, and the mob no mentality. No, there's no do excuses, better. but I just, I don't want to see us point You're justifying. fingers. You're no, justifying. No, 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 no. I'm saying we all need to do better. Absolutely. We don't need to say, oh, Colts fans, shame right. on you. We need to say we all, this, this needs to be something right. that doesn't happen anywhere. 412-919-1316. We're going to get it off your chest. 
When we come back, Chris, Steeler Jimmy, stay on the line. We will get to you. You can also tweet the show at Wesley Euler at the body 52 The body. We're going to do a little... Uh, Re, uh, re-return to uh, to some of the preseason action from last night when we come back. It's Euler Motes. It's the Electric Factory on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold SNR. So Andrew Luck is retired. We've sorted all that out. We've, you know, we've conquered the difference between popular <laughs> markets and popular quarterbacks. Uh, we've put some fans on blast. But you know, Motsi, the one, the last thing here that we haven't discussed is, oh, is Andrew Luck retired? Retired? <laughs> is or it is, permanent? Or is he like uh, Michael Jordan retired? Or is Say he like Brett Favre retired? Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams yeah. retired. James Harrison. <laughs> he could take three full years, mm-hmm. three full years, go wherever he wants, travel, do this, do that, three years and never pick up a football. And he could still find himself sitting there, I'm 32 years old, I could still play for another six or seven years. Easily. Uh, maybe Frank Reich and the Colts are still there, and they run off some eight and eight, nine and seven seasons where mm-hmm. you're like, man, if they just had a quarterback, they could really do this. Uh this is total radio hypothetical here, but do you think there's still a chance we could see Andrew Luck return one day? I personally do, because he's not retiring because of an uh, ability issue. He didn't say that, man, you know, I just can't do it anymore. I'm physically not the same guy. He just simply said, I'm mentally worn out. I'm tired. Sometimes when you're tired, what do you need to do? Rest. rest. So he'll get all the rest he needs over the next two to three years. That's a long time to rest. And then after that, He's only 32 years old. He's 32. He's completely healthy. I can see him totally coming back. But at the same time, if he did never come back, I could understand that as well because the money he's made, I mean, obviously having a Stanford degree, everything he needs is set up for him. And then, come on, man, Mr. Oliver Luck, you know what he's doing. He's running things. So when you think about all that stuff going on, man, he 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 has multiple avenues to, to go with this thing. But he'll have time now to consider it all. I just think I'm sure for him right now, the no plan plan sounds like the best thing ever. Absolutely. I mean, right, since he was 15, 16 years old, his life has been regimented, re- regimed by football. by football. Absolutely. Like It's been football, 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 high school, Stanford, NFL, yes. football, football, football. You, you, your family, your life evolves around that. Without a doubt. That's your schedule. And That's all you do. I, I wonder, like I said, for him right now, and this works for me, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I, we're just getting started here. Kellen, we're just getting started here. There will come a time in late October, early November, where we'll all just look at each other and be like, dude, a week <laughs> off right now sounds like, even like right. two or three days off right now Absolutely. sounds like the best thing ever. Like, we've all been there. Right. And I'm sure for Andrew Luck right now, a year off just sounds amazing. Like, you're telling me for a year I don't have to plan anything. I can do whatever I want. But you know there's still that little kid in him that loves football, loves the game. Right. And I'll just, I'll be interested to follow that. And you know, too, like every now, every off season, right? For at least oh, is the he next 10 back? years. Is he coming back? Andrew Luck's available out there. Absolutely. Is he coming back? Some quarterback gets hurt, you know, in week four on a Super Bowl contender. Andrew Luck's still out there. Absolutely. Is man. he coming back? Let's uh, go to the phone lines here, Motsi. All of this on the table. Steeler stuff. Andrew Luck stuff. Come on, get it off your chest, baby. Get it off your chest. Anything on the board available. Let's go get to New Jersey and talk to Chris. Looks like you want to talk a little Steelers defense. What's happening, Chris? 
What's going on, guys? What's up? What's up, baby? Get it off your chest. What you got for us? First off, just want to say I'm a huge fan. Wes, Moach, you guys are awesome. I love the excitement and energy you guys bring. Thank Definitely you, Chris. appreciate that. I wanted to talk about uh, Bud Dupree and Terrell Edmonds a little bit. Mm-hmm. With uh, Dupree, you in the past you've seen him win with more of like a speed rush. Looks like he's starting to convert to speed and power together. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to know what you're seeing differently this year with him. And as far as Terrell Edmonds, you could definitely see that the game's starting to slow down for him. He's starting to play a lot faster. I really think he could be a uh, big-time player this year. Yeah, man, I agree with uh, both of those guys, man, and and your comments on both of them. But I think that speed to power – is something that he started doing a little bit last year. And I think now he's buying more into it because he's starting to have success with it. And a lot of times, a lot of times as a player, you will try stuff, but until you have success in stadiums with it, you don't necessarily believe it. Mm-hmm. And now that he's been having success with it, now he's starting to believe it. And now you, I think you'll start to see it a lot more. And you're still going to have his patented speed rush, but now you have a definitive second move, a second option that makes him that much scarier and more productive as a pass rusher. And in terms of Troy Edmonds, I think his play recognition is off the charts this year compared to last year. So much more comfortable. Absolutely. As a rookie, you deal with the learning curve of learning the defense, understanding what everybody in front of you is doing, and then trying to remember your assignment, and that's before you even play anticipatory football in terms of what are the receivers trying to do, what is the offense trying to do, whereas now he's at that stage where he knows his assignment. He knows what the guys around him are doing. Now he's reading routes. Now he's anticipating what's going to happen, and that's why he's playing a lot faster. Now, do you guys see, like, uh, Cameron Kelly? What you, what's your thought about him so far? Ooh, man, I think he's been very impressive. It's a uh, nice, nice bonus. Absolutely. You got to think, man, coming from the AAF. Out yeah, out of the AAF, man, year nobody expected it. Right. You're so, in the AAF. So well, you just like see half a year in the AAF. Right, half a year because they, they, they stopped the season. But for him, man, he comes in as a guy that you take a flyer on. Nobody really expects anything from. But he's out here forcing fumbles, getting out there early in the game, too. It wasn't in the garbage time. He was out there with the ones in some of these units. Mm-hmm. So that was the impressive thing. And it's just a testament to how good he is and a testament to the, uh, the scouting department. Yeah, Chris, I think Cam Kelly's like uh... – that extra $10 bill you find in an old pair of jeans. You know, like you're not depending on it. You're not depending on it, but it's a nice little find. Absolutely. I completely agree. It's not, it's not what we thought Marcus Allen was going to be. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, You know, you're not going to take that $10 to Morton's and get yourself a filet steak. You know, you're not going to go get Troy Palomalu with that $10 bill you found in your jeans, but you know, it can, uh, it can cure some of your hunger from time to time. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys taking a call. No problem, Chris. Thank Thanks you. for listening. Thanks for calling. Anytime, partner. Uh, yeah, Cam Kelly has, has certainly been been an exciting development here and, and uh, saw him getting a start last night out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. In, in a little, uh, I think it was nickel package that the Steelers opened up with last yes. night. Yeah, he has been a, a certainly a, a uh, an encouraging development, I think, is, is probably the way that I would put it. Steeler Jimmy here in Chicago. He wants to, I think, talk a little Andrew Luck retirement. What's happened, Steeler Jimmy? What up, what up? Hey, all, hey, what's up, boys? All this started because of how, you know, shocking the development was over the weekend. And, and you know, I'm 51 years old, so I was in my prime when Michael Jordan retired for the very first time. Now mm. we can laugh about it. Now we can laugh about it because he came back and unretired and retired and unretired. <laughs> Won three straight titles <laughs> right. again in there. <laughs> 
Right, but but if you were in Chicago, living in Chicago, and you were watching the Bulls all the time and stuff, and then all of a sudden one day Michael Jordan says, "I retire," that's the closest thing I can compare. It's a good call. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not comparing the athletes because Michael Jordan was much more accomplished at the time than Andrew Luck is, even though Andrew Luck is a really mm-hmm. good quarterback. But I'm saying the moment, the, the shock value of it, that's the closest I can compare to in my lifetime of, of you know what I mean? Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders, yeah, that was like, wow, but not like Michael Jordan taking the podium out of the blue one morning in Chicago saying, I'm retiring from the game of basketball. I'm going that to play was, baseball. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was crazy, you know. But and then, and then I want to also say that I agree 100 percent with Devin. It's never, and no offense, Multi. It's never about the name on the back of the jersey. It's always about the logo on the helmet. Uh, no, no, you're, you're agreeing with me. Yeah, you're not agreeing with Wes. Wes said it the opposite. Oh, no, We're no, having no, like no, three different saying, conversations. Here. <laughs> no, no. No, Mosey, but I'm saying because you were a player and your name was on the back of the jersey, don't don't be offended by it. Oh, okay, got gotcha. you. Okay. It, it, it's always about the logo, you know. Always. Like, okay, Antonio Brown, great player, you know what? But it's not about Antonio Brown. It's about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Absolutely. They're a better, they're a better team. I know it sounds crazy. They're a better team without them. Believe it or not. I think because you're right. It's a, it's a team. It's about the logo. It's about the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's not about Terry Bradshaw and, you know, Walter Rasby is a tight end that you guys probably don't know who the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> it, 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 it's not about Joe Green and Jack Lambert and Jack Ham and Andy Russell. It's not about Ben and Cordell Stewart and Tommy Maddox. You know, it, it's about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's what the true blue fan is all about. You know, you know it's like, okay, if Brady retired tomorrow – I still hate the freaking Patriots. <laughs> I, I, I still hate the Cowboys from when I was a kid. I still hate the Raiders. Get it off your kid. chest, baby. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a Steeler fan. It's black and gold, baby. It's not the name on the back. It's yes, the indeed. It's the gold. And that's, and that's it, man. And I love you guys. I got to get back into work because I was on the boat. <laughs> freaking half. Thanks for your time, partner. Call back anytime. Right, we love boys. it. Great points there. Yeah, I mean, That's how you get it off your chest right there, man. He is absolutely right in the grand scheme of things. And I want to remind everybody, my conversation about the logos and the teams was just that I think good quarterback play is more imperative to the big market teams. It just sounds like you lost the argument. It's okay. No, but that's okay. We're having like seven different arguments It's okay, man. Winners win. Listen, there's no winners. We don't keep keep score around here. You know, there's no super millennial around here. Um, With what he said there, though, he's absolutely right. Like this is now I'm going to come. I'm going to do a 180 and come on the other side of the fence with you. Mm. Like I remember laughing at people who were like crying when Flurry left the Penguins. Mm. I I love Sidney Crosby. Yeah. I love Sidney Crosby. But if you're going to tell me right now that trading Sidney Crosby could net the Penguins another three Stanley Cups in the next five years, yeah. I would trade Sidney Crosby. Like, if you're going to tell me right now that this— Where's the loyalty? No, Get out of here. The loyalty's to the logo. You think that Edmonton Oilers fans weren't crushed when they traded Wayne Gretzky? Without a doubt. But guess mm-hmm. what? They won more Stanley Cups, and Wayne Gretzky never won another one. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that Oilers fans wouldn't sign— Like, that I have always said— to choose the logo over the player. Like, Absolutely. that is without a doubt. I'm cheering for WVU football for that logo, but for it what is, is what it best is funny, for that though. logo. You know what's funny? 
you have that sentiment, choose the logo of the player. But when the player has the sentiment to choose the player over the logo, people go into outrage. People bash them. People find every reason why they shouldn't support this player. That's true. But why is that? I think people care more about the actual player. And I'm not like, I'm not, not Steeler Jim. Right, but right. I think the majority of sports fans care more about the player than they're willing to admit compared to the logo. I agree. They're like, not willing to admit it. Yes. Yes. A yes. lot of Steelers fans cared just as much, if not more, about Antonio Brown than they did. And the, Le'Veon. Than they did the, the Steel Crest. Yeah. They might be kidding themselves. Mm-hmm. But but they they do, you get attached to these players That's and don't get is. me wrong I get that I'm you get a, the attachment I'm a fan too don't get me I loved Max Talbot yeah. when I was growing up when he went to the Flyers I was angry I angry tweeted Max Talbot he blocked me on Twitter oh uh, man I, I but I, I the again if you're gonna tell me right now hey Wes the Penguins could keep Crosby for seven more years and never win another championship but he'll retire as it's a penguin. hard to say he'll never never win but another no, but no but just doing his career you, i'm telling you god's coming to me right now and saying yes yes the penguins his career will not win another stanley cup with crosby but they can have him for the next seven years mm-hmm. or they can trade him and win more stanley cups in the next seven years trade him i, I want to see my team have the success and i again i love Sidney crosby but you know that's the beauty of sports you can't make that statement no. because you can't say that they were going to win or won't win without this player right so at the end of the day, be loyal to your fans, man. Be loyal to the team. Be, be loyal, loyal to the players. Be loyal to both. Be loyal to everybody. Unless the players don't deserve your loyalty like Antonio Brown. It's well. funny that you <laughs> mentioned the loyalty thing because it's something that popped into my head. I'm a huge Saquon Barkley fan, huge Penn State guy. I will root for Saquon mm-hmm. Barkley wherever he goes. I think the the rooting for the player thing might happen if he doesn't play for your team, if that makes any sense. Absolutely. You know, because then you're more free to root for that guy. You're more free to watch him, and you don't really care about where he plays because he doesn't play for your team. That's a I great agree. Point. That's how I am about LeBron James. He's never played on my basketball team. So for me, I was like, I don't care where he goes. I'm going to root for him. Like, that's my guy. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. Like, that's how I am with a lot of the. Like the hockey players from from Pittsburgh, right? Mm. Like Brandon Sod and John Gibson, yeah. like the guys that grew up here that are playing hockey at a high level. Uh, any WVU player that goes on, you know, like yeah. Javon Carter with uh, with the Phoenix Suns, like yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's that's a good call by you, Kellen. I think that does happen a, a lot of times, particularly when you start following a guy in college, like you can in, in football right. and basketball. Absolutely. Really, yeah, it's a good 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 call by you there. Kellen. I see you, Kellen. Uh, stock up, stock down. It's preseason. Well, we just wrapped up preseason week number three. So that means we're starting to get close to final cuts and and thinking of how a roster could be constructed here. So coming back to close out the show, I want to ask Arthur Motes about some of these bubble guys. Stock up, stock down. Who's in a better place? Who's in a worse place? And we'll get to some of your reaction, too, as we wrap up the show when we return the bonus hour in the Electric Factory. It's Euler Motes on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Going to talk a little stock up, stock down, winners and losers from last night's preseason game number three. But before we do, we got some questions here, some housekeeping, some bow wrapping to do on some of these topics, Motes. Eh? Absolutely. So Joan chimes in here, question for the show. What if the Colts called? And said they had Rudolph rated as a first rounder a year ago. But they didn't draft him because they had luck and other needs at the time. But now with luck retired, the Colts offer you two second round picks in the next two upcoming NFL drafts. Would you take it? I mean, if you're Pittsburgh, yeah. Just because you already have been. 
I think it's a no-brainer yeah. to take it. You got uh, Ben already. You could, who knows what you could draft for those two second rounders. You got Mason for a third round. From I was just going to say, from an asset standpoint, right, from a business standpoint, yes, you would have turned in one year a third-round pick into two second-round picks. Absolutely. I mean, that's just good business. Easy that's business. What the, that's what the Patriots do every draft. Yeah. And, then, and then if you're talking backup quarterback for this year, you still have Dobbs, who still can get the job done if you needed him to. Right, and you'd feel, so. you'd feel confident about Hodges as your number Absolutely. three. And I think, too, right, if you sent Mason to the Colts, you could see him eventually growing and having success there. Yes. But probably not right away. Correct. At least this first year, right? The second round pick for the Colts this first year, that could be a top 40 pick. I mean, that could easily be in the 33 to the 39 range. Easily. Yeah, with, no question. Without a doubt. And you almost wonder with, if, you know, if Rudolph would be that guy, because now you have Brissett as the Colts quarterback. Would they maybe think if we want Brissett for the future? Do they maybe look at a guy like Josh Dobbs, who's kind of similar in that mm. more athletic way? Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't think the Colts, to preface this, I don't think they're going to go out there and, oh, I don't and make any moves right. at this stage in the game. But yes, Joan, if the Colts called me up and said, we'll give you two our next two second-round picks for Mason Rudolph, uh, yeah, I, I would do that, I think, without even really thinking twice. That's just smart business. That's just good asset management. Steel Nation 19 says... Uh, talking about the defense and, and thinking it really looks like the strength of a team right now. But I'm just thinking that we are missing a player uh, like a Jalen Ramsey on the backside of the defense. Do you guys agree? I mean, in theory, yes. But uh, and then we're, we're adds, watching them. Adds, we need a player on the defense to be feared by others like a Troy Polamalu. How many of those guys? Are, and how, right. I don't think you do. And, but I mean, in theory, it sounds great. Right. But right. how many of those guys are really in the National Football League right now. Like, you don't have yeah. teams anymore that have Troy and Debo. And like, like, that just doesn't happen. How many defensive players in the National League are truly feared right now? Well, I was going to say, even, even Jalen Ramsey, you talk about being feared, but Ben Lashley was going right at him. Yeah. Uh, Khalil Mack is feared. Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald is feared. J.J. Uh, Watt kind of teeters on that line. He was yes. for a while. <sighs> I mean... Is there a there's not a say is there a safety in the NFL right now that's feared like Paul Malu and Ed Reed? I were? felt like it used to be maybe Earl Thomas Cam and Cam Chancellor yeah, used right. to be, but yeah, that's it's, that's the nature of the NFL now, man. It is. It's it, not it, the it, same, it, man. It really, like if if you're telling me a pat like just a bona fide pass rusher, I mean, sure, but again, we've seen the last two years the Steelers do such a good job of pass rush by committee and the way that they yeah. scheme that up. Still fine. You led the NFL in sacks the last two years. You can't get much better than leading the NFL in sacks. Well, yeah. Think about the, the even the year where uh, where the Steelers actually was part of that team. Shout out. Hey. Where we actually um, set the record for the Steelers in terms of sacks. I think we had 52 or 53 that season. We didn't even have a double digit. I think Cam was the only guy with double digit, pass, uh, double digit sacks that season. Right. Like, you just, yeah. Uh, if you do it by committee, it doesn't matter, man. The, the biggest thing is having talent. If you have a ton of talent that's going to play together, that's cohesive, and they do their job, that's all you need to win in this league. You don't have to have the best player in this position, the best player in that position, the best player in this position. Right. That, that, it doesn't have to be that way. One thing that I think, honestly, that you could tell me if you wanted to add, not even, right? I mean, yeah, any defense would love to add a Khalil Mack or a Jalen right. Ramsey. Sure. I think a guy like, like a Charles Tillman. Mm, like, do, you, do you remember how, like it's Absolutely. like every game he was forcing a fumble out of the secondary but he wasn't feared though no he wasn't feared but i th he had over 40 forced fumbles in his nfl career oh, yeah, as that's what he does as a defensive back oh, that's what he does like me. 
a guy like that would be just as valuable as having you know a, a big name back there. Absolutely. And we think the Steelers are starting to get there with with some of their guys and going to force some more turnovers this year. Hey man, it's been looking good thus far. Just ready for it to carry over into the regular season now. Speaking of carrying over into the regular season, we're getting close. Stock up, stock down. You want to start on the offensive side of the football or the defensive side of the football? Come on, man. You know where I always start, baby. Defense. Right. Good, because I only have like two offensive guys on here. The rest are defense. Even better. Uh, Sutton Smith. Oh, man. And I think I should say, I don't want your stock up, stock down just based off of last night. I want it based off now of training camp and three preseason games. Yeah, I'm saying stock down. I felt like, you know, him so coming too. in drafted, people had high expectations for him to compete with Ola. Obviously, you loved what he was able to do from a position flexibility standpoint, lining up at fullback during OTAs and stuff. But I think he's really far behind. And the emergence of us, some other players have really hurt his case. And even watching the game last night, he got the, the bad end of that deal with Taylor Lewan. You know, if Taylor's out there with the ones like he's supposed to be, well, Sutton might have been able to impress a little bit more, but <laughs> unfortunately, he drew the short straw. Unfortunately, you're going up against one of the best tackles in football. Here you go, kid. Welcome to the NFL here. So, Ooh. in that regard, definitely stock down. Yeah. I, I, it's tough to say because at OTAs, we were all in love with this kid. Mm-hmm. Like, we thought, man, this guy can do it all. He can maybe give you some on, on offense, on defense. Right. We know he's anxious to play on special teams. But that's the thing about OTAs, can't make though, the man. Club in the tub, and you're Shirt, right. Shirts and short football isn't real. That's why it's hard to pass judgment and say this guy's going to be the guy. Because through my nine years of playing, I've seen plenty of guys who should be first ballot Hall of Famers based off of their OTA film. But then when you get in them in pads, you put them in the stadium setting. It's totally different. Uh, we talked to Matt Spath out at training camp, mm-hmm. and he said to Spaith. us, "He said to us, if you would have come and watched me at OTAs or during training camp during my years with the Steelers, you would have thought, how the heck is this guy on an NFL roster? Uh-huh. He stinks.' Spath was like, "I was the worst practice player ever. I just I was a gamer, mm-hmm. and I, I think that can work both ways. You Absolutely, can, you can have you know I like to call them gym class heroes, the guys that show out and practice but right. don't don't show up on game day." And again, I don't want to make it seem like we're burying Sutton Smith. No, no, not uh, saying that. But I just think there was some optimism for him and, and the expectations health, health became a little higher. Yeah, because of the OTA. But health is a big part of it. It's a ton of talent that doesn't have that don't have long careers because of the injuries. It's a ton of people that don't make rosters because of injuries. It's a ton of people that never fulfill their potential because of those injuries. And I think that's what we've seen thus far. But hey, he still has another week to impress the coaches and make a statement for him to be on this roster ruler of the iron throne noted civil war general general ulysses gilbert the third ah yes stock is definitely up on ulysses man i think he came in obviously as a later draft pick no one really knew what you were expecting from all the hype and talk was about devin bush but he really has come in and has played fast has been productive and i think the thing that has benefited him in his competition with a Tyler Maticatovich is he's had more exciting plays, more splash. He really has. So for me, I say stock is definitely up for him. And last but not least here in kind of the linebacker core, if you will, a guy we talked about a little bit earlier, Tuzar Skipper. Stock all the way up, man. All if, the way if, up. If, if this is Wall Street, I'm buying heavy on him. <laughs> buy, 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 buy. 
bye, 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 stock and Cesar Skipper. Four solo tackles and a sack last night. No, 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 not just a sack. A sack forced fumble. Sack, force he's a fumble. ball guy. That's what you want to see. Anyone can get a sack, but can you get the sack forced fumble? That's what he's been doing. He's been extremely productive throughout this preseason. When we saw him in the first game versus Tampa, he came in a ton of excitement, a ton of energy. That's what you want to see from those guys who are going to potentially be rotational guys, guys that come in as special team moments. You want to see, can they be instant heat, instant energy, instant spark? And that's what he's been since he's got here in the preseason. Let's uh, stay with the front seven here. A guy who has been on scholarship with the Steelers for quite a long time, uh-huh. big Dan McCullers. Ah, man. All right. And I guess I should also – it doesn't necessarily always have to be arrow up or arrow down. You could say just, just say uh, arrow, plateaued. Arrow, arrow neutral right now. <laughs> What's the thing that with Dan? It's like you know what he's capable of. And I do think he's been playing more consistent this season. But I still – just because I know what he's capable of. He's been here for six years now. Right, absolutely. But because I know what he's personally capable of, I've seen it. I He hasn't done that consistently yet. So until he does, it's hard for me to say stock up. But I definitely don't say stock down. I just say stock neutral. Uh, do you think he's still clear cut making the team? Or like, I know a lot. We a lot of us wanted to see Isaiah Bugs push him, right. or, but feels like he's still pretty pretty comfortable as that fifth defensive lineman. Yeah, man. Um, sometimes <laughs> you have a very unique set of skills. <laughs> and it's You're hard right, for people. <laughs> and, and with Big Dan, size is his particular skill that <laughs> nobody has. Can't coach that. Right. And and then the fact that when he does turn it on, he's able to do things that nobody else can do. It's just more so, like you said, man, getting it out of him consistently. And I, I will say he's been playing a lot more consistent now versus earlier in his career. Last one on the defensive side of the football for you. I think I know what the answer is, but I got to ask it. One, Cameron Kelly. Oh, stock is definitely up on Cameron Kelly. And the thing with Cam, a lot of us were skeptical about him. A lot of us didn't know what you were getting from this player coming from the AAF because those players in that league, granted they were good players, but they were good for that league. It wasn't like they were good NFL players at the time. So seeing him come in, you were kind of just on the fence like, all right, how good can he be? But he impressed during OTAs. He continued to impress during training camp, and now it's been showing up throughout the preseason making big plays and just flying around looking comfortable out there. So for me, man, stock is definitely up on him. Got two on the offensive side of the football for you. I think I know where you'll go with this first one, too. Quarterback, Mason Rudolph. Stock is up, man. I think, you know, he's definitely been performing extremely well these first three preseason games, and especially last night, the throws that he was making out there, he just looked extremely comfortable. And anytime you're able to get that touchdown pass early, it takes a lot of pressure off of you. I think, you know, we said this week one, uh, and I think it holds true now. I I still, no one, people can try and tell you that they know, yes, so he can. No, there's no way. In the question of can he be the Steelers' number one, can he replace Ben one day? Mm -hmm. Anyone who's telling you definitively yes or no, they're just being hyperbolic. They're just just radio radio hot taken. You got to get the the answer off first, right? (laughs) Right, right. But I will say this. uh, I think it's undeniable that he has made a significant step up from year one to year two. Sophomore leap. And and at at the basis of everything, that's all you can ask for at this point. Absolutely, without a doubt. I, I think it's encouraging to see... 
the growth that he has made in, in one year, and, and you hope that that will continue to roll forward. All right, last but not least for you here, stock up, stock down, offensive side of the football, wide receiver from the Canadian Football League, mm. Deontay Spencer. I'm saying stock up. I think that he's shown some good things in terms of his return ability, the special team stuff, mm-hmm. his catching ability as well. I just think he's in an uphill battle because that receiver position, in particular that slot position, is crowded. And, and, and when you're looking at those receivers that he's competing against, they all do the same thing. Slot receivers return men. So when you're asking yourself – a whole lot of pieces looking like one another. <laughs> right, right. So it's like, is he doing something that I love so much more than what I'm seeing from Ryan Switzer or Eli Rogers? Or Deontay Johnson. Or Deontay Johnson. And that's the only thing. So stock is definitely up, but I don't know if it's enough right now. Yeah, we're going to have to, maybe tomorrow. Maybe this will be a good exercise for us tomorrow. Our 53-man roster Ooh. and who we cut and who we keep. Ooh. And because, I mean, we could try it. But, you know, after I that keep game, everybody. Keep them all. After that game Thursday night. I love everyone. Everyone, like, we're, we don't have much of a turnaround here. I know you'd want to see one more preseason game before you right. make that call. But at the same time, that call might be made by the time we come on air Friday already. We might have yeah. some of this news of who's staying and who's going after that fourth preseason game. I love game. you guys. Everyone stays. Should I stay or should I go? Maybe that's something we'll uh, we'll throw out there tomorrow, Moti. Yeah, because Wednesday you got to talk pregame, right? Or 50. technically, would you do that Thursday? Gosh. Mm, Prime little, time little game bit of, Thursday. A little bit of both. Yeah. A little bit of both. You know, I'm still new to this radio thing. I'm still learning. Yeah, but you're a pro. I oh, mean, you're just coming it. with all the examples. You know, the real-life argument examples well, with your fan comparisons. I you did got go it to all James Madison on, University, so, I mean, that should be expected. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's Euler and Moats Bowl one week, folks. The Electric Factory Bowl. Hope you're ready. Saturday, 2 o'clock, Mountaineers and James Madison University. It's going down. It is going down. We'll be there. What time are you going to get down there? Are you trying to, uh, you know, you're trying to have a couple beverages in the blue see, lot before see, the game? see. I have I have some terrible news I have to make, guys. Uh oh. I actually can't be in attendance, and here's why. <laughs> My six year old daughter just started cheering. Just started cheering this year, right? Her home opener, her home opener, first time ever cheering, is this Saturday, Saturday. at two forty five p.m. <laughs> Hurt me to the core. <laughs> And, and my daughter's the type. She's looking like, Dad, where are you going to be? Because I look for you the whole time I'm out there. Right. So I got to be there. So. That's just, guys, he just made that up on the spot. He's actually, he's actually scared <laughs> the truth, to man. see what the Mountaineers are going to do to the James Madison Dukes. Never worried, that's man. Good, that's good father in you there, Motsi. I can't hate on that. Listen, I can hate on a lot of things, but I can't hate on that, without a doubt. Great show today, bud. Hey, absolutely, man. Three Always hours. fun. You that know that. That was fun getting into it. A little debate there, me and you, for the first time. I liked it. Hey, you, absolutely. I, I was the sunshine and rainbows guy today. <laughs> <laughs> nice little role reversal. Big shout out to Kellen for producing the show. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be going this length the whole week, noon to three. Euler Emotes, the Electric Factory, open this week. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back at noon tomorrow on ESPN Pittsburgh.